When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This Tuesday morning show started here on Talk Radio 77, WABC 603. On your Tuesday. It's cold out there. That's the bottom line, man. You know, I was um, sitting. I have a deck. I've got a deck outside my daughter's bedroom on the second floor of my house. I had uh, John Neese come and uh, fix it this summer. And now it's a really nice deck, you know. I got a couple of chairs out there and, uh, you know, the whole thing. And about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, I got in one of my chairs, sat out there on the deck, wearing just a T-shirt, a pair of sweatpants, and it was gorgeous. I mean gorgeous. At one point, I even got a little hot. And then I wake up this morning, and I'm freezing. I actually had to wear a winter coat for the first time today in uh, I don't know how long. Now, it's not 30 degrees yet. But where I live and where Lewis lives, it's so windy. So when you combine the temperatures, which I believe were in the 40s when I got into Freddie's car this morning, the great Freddie, you combine that with the wind, even though it's only October, it was cold. So I'm walking around today with a winter coat on, and I have to tell you, as I'm getting older, and if God is good to me, I'll be 56 come April. I have less and less patience for the cold weather. I hate it. I just hate it. I used to go back and forth with Bernie all the time with this stuff. I love the cold weather, Bernie would say. He never went out in the cold weather. He got in his car, drove to the studio, and drove home. Every now and then, he would take a ride on his bike to the boardwalk, but not in cold weather. And then he would bitch and complain, of course, and who wouldn't when you had to drive to the studio in snow and ice? Nobody wants that. Nobody. So for all the folks out there, oh, I love the Four Seasons. I love it. Give me a break. I'm freezing this morning. Like, I'm already envisioning 
skull caps, gloves, scarves. Oh, my God. Come on. That's not as bad as the snow and rain, though. The worst. The snow and the ice. It's just inconvenient and awful. Oh, it's dangerous, too. I mean, people die every day out there yes. on the road. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I got a long, so like you now, I've got a very long trip to work every day. And uh, Freddie, who's a really good driver, but he's very aggressive, you know. And at least two or three times a week, I come a pubic hair away from slamming into a, uh, like a truck in front of me. Freddie does. I just imagine a little bit of ice and snow. I mean, there is no question. Write it down right now. Because the last six years, I commuted with Gene from the Upper West Side to either Madison Square Garden or these beautiful studios, East uh, Midtown. And you can write it down right now. There will come a day this winter in the morning where it's going to be a bad deal for me. Like a horrible wreck. I know it already. And, uh, Lewis, you've been making this trip for years. I mean, don't you get nervous in the morning with the, when the weather, if it's icy or snowy and the nah. Gowanus? Of course not. You just <laughs> hit the pedal and you go. Right. Come on. Sure. The only, that day with the floods. Oh, my God. That was so bad. I don't think I've driven in something as bad as that. That was like a, about three weeks ago. The Bell Parkway. Yeah. yeah that was, so cars were just stopping and... I said, no, nah, I'm not stopping. They actually shut down the Bell Parkway that day. That was late. So yeah. I, I don't even know why that happened. You're, ta- you're talking about last summer. No, no, no. I'm talking about like three weeks ago. Oh, no. I'm, ta- I, 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 I'm thinking of the one from last summer. Yeah. That, well, I, 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 I didn't yeah. ask you about this conversation, but thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I know you're a little tired this morning. You're one of the idiots yeah. who sat there in the Bronx. I mean, I'm watching the coverage last night with uh, Ernie Johnson and I guess Curtis Granderson, Pedro Martinez, who looks so fat with those blue glasses, he looks ridiculous, and a whole bunch of characters, and some young girl, Laura Sahadi or something, I don't know. And uh, she comes out on the field in the Bronx about 7 o'clock last night, and the game was supposed to start at 7.07. This is the fifth and deciding game between the Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians for the right to take on the Houston Astros in the ALCS, and eventually the winner of that will take on the winner of the Padres and Phillies in the World Series. So she makes it very clear, this young girl, like 7 o'clock last night, we're nowhere near starting this game. They delayed it from 7.07 to 7.45, and then they said at 7.45 we're going to get together again Take a look at the Doppler weather, whatever it is, the radar, and then figure it out again. They said they. it seems like there's going to be rain that will come in for two hours. Right. Two hours, so we're, we, you would wait for that. And then they said. So now it's 930, by the way, right, at that point. Right. And then then we'll figure out the game time. Then <laughs> the, the players, especially the pitchers, will need 40 minutes. Right. Now you're talking out. about 11 o'clock. And they say. It's, we'll probably be able to get the game in then because there'll be a scattered shower or two Stop. during the rest of the night. I looked at it like you, you can start the game at 1030. I mean, come on. Ridiculous. Why, Why would you stay there all that time, Justin? I, was... I, I didn't want to. I was with people that, that were imploring me to stay. And I'm not. Yeah. Uh, You're not allowed to leave those people, I guess. Huh? Well, I'm not very confrontational. Do, do those do those people get up like you at two o'clock in the morning and work? No. Okay, you no. should have left. Well, yeah. It was stupid. <laughs> so I, mean, I, have I, just... no, I have no sympathy for you this morning because you're sitting out there. You ha- even the dumbest person had to know they weren't going to play baseball last night. That's what I kept saying. So just leave. 
I don't know. But can you imagine if they started the game and played that game? Till 2 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. What kind of... This morning, how crazy everybody would be screaming i mean nobody but nobody would see it on the east coast nobody would see it no no one would see it at all and you would think they would want to sell out the stadium for a game like this right why why wouldn't you push it to today for the first chance you get if you're the yankee if you're the yankees well it is going to happen today first pitch just after four o'clock this afternoon in the bronx so they get it today anyway and no rain in the forecast today and going to be chilly highs in the mid maybe upper 50s you may hit 57 or 58 so about five six o'clock tonight when you get towards that seventh inning stretch in the Bronx, it's going to be cold. But um, playoff baseball in the Bronx, they will play game five today and turn it around very, very quickly because the winner of this game today, and I do like the Yanks, the winner of the game today starts their series against the Houston Astros tomorrow. There's not a lot of time here to rest up and get ready for the next series. And I believe tomorrow is also... Maybe even tonight. I could be wrong. When do the Padres and Phillies start the NLCS? I believe it's tomorrow as well. I think so, too. But it may be tonight. I think the Yankees play at 4 o'clock, and the Padres and Phillies may play later. I'm not not sure. You know, don't forget, tonight is also the start of the NBA season. The Golden State Warriors, who won the NBA championship last year, they will host LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers and get their rings tonight. But before that... And the East Coast game, you've got the Boston Celtics taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. By the way, my Knicks and the great Mike Breen, who has been suffering throughout this whole Bernard uh, death, suffering. They start their season tomorrow night in Memphis against the Grizzlies. What do you got, Lou? Philadelphia at San Diego today. Today. Tonight. That's today, what I thought. 8.03. Right. So you have both games today. Yankees and Indians, uh, Guardians, and the first game of the NLCS featuring the Phillies and the Padres. Okay, big show coming up today. Again, great guests. We start at 7.40 every Tuesday. He's amazing. The great Bo Deedle. Then at 8.40, a Bernie McGurk favorite, quite frankly, a New York favorite, whether it was Bobby Bacala on The Sopranos or his character Anthony on The Blue Bloods. No one can argue Steve Sharippa is a great actor and a great friend of both me and Bernard and Steve, a.k.a. Bobby Bacala Sharippa, will join us live at 8.40 this morning. Then another good friend of mine, Cara Castronova, she's running for office. She's Johnny Tobacco's girlfriend, Newsmax, Wise Guys. She'll join us at 9.05. So good guests coming up today and a ton of stuff to get to. We may as well start with the mayor. Now, a lot of you know, maybe you don't, uh, because Todd Katsimatidis <laughs> sent out this picture everywhere that uh, a week ago Monday at the Columbus Day Parade, I did run into Mayor Eric Adams. And yes, we did take a picture together. Kill me, fine, I don't care. Um, and there has been talk in the last eight days about maybe, just maybe, a meeting of the minds. His uh, girl Rachel has been in touch with me. Because... Rather than come on this show every morning and just destroy the mayor, which I do, got no issue with that, and I don't think the mayor likes that, I have a feeling that if you live in this city, whether you're a public official, an everyday citizen, an athlete, a celebrity, the last thing you want is to get in the car in the morning and have a guy like me, a jerk like me, rip you for four hours. Now, you're going to say, I don't care. Let him say what he wants. Oh, you care. 
This is a very, very popular show on a very, very popular station. And whatever I say in the morning gets back to everybody in this town. So what I say right now about Eric Adams, he's going to know about whenever he's up this morning. They don't want that. Eric would much rather, excuse me, the mayor would much rather (laughs) sit down with me and figure out a way to figure these things out. But here's the problem. Again yesterday, the subway murders, I believe there have been nine. That's the number, nine. Do you know the percentage, the percentage of these murders that did not involve a gun? I'm going to give it to you. The percentage of murders on the subway that did not involve a gun is a very high number, 67%. Six of the nine murders on the subway had nothing to do with a gun. They were night murders, people shoving people in front of the tracks. Now, I know somebody just got shot dead a couple days ago in Queens, and that's the story we're talking about now. But six of the nine murders had nothing to do with a gun. And the mayor is out there yesterday yelling and screaming about the gun problem on the subways. So when John Katz and Matides and other folks get, I don't want to say frustrated, or you know, they want to see me have a relationship with this guy, well, I got to come on the air the next day and tell the truth. And the truth is, Mayor Adams is, I don't know if he's lying, misleading, maybe he's not sure, I don't know, but he's wrong again. He's wrong again. What am I supposed to do? Just come on and say, well, he meant well. What what does that mean? He meant well. Yes, he was very nice to me last Monday. Yes, I believe in his heart of hearts, he kind of likes me and would love to be friendly. But when he does stuff like this, it's my job. It's my job as the voice, mornings here in New York, to point it out. Here's Eric Adams, Lewis, cut number five. We can't get away from the fact we have 3.5 million people using our subway system. We, we have to be honest about that. And those average of six crimes a day is not giving the impression that our system is out of control. <laughs> it's just not, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to you, um, Nolan. Uh, and so uh, my goal is to continue that deployment and enhance that police coverage and, and to make sure that we deal with the mental health crises, not only on our subway system, but on our streets. He sounds like Errol Lewis. Errol Lewis was making an argument not that long ago, that uh, idiot from New York One and CNN who took a vicious beating on this show and on Twitter yesterday, the whole congestion pricing deal. He also made an argument that the subways are fine and started posting pictures on Twitter of uh, some guy playing the trumpet and people <laughs> sitting there relaxing, reading the paper. Great. I mean, what city do you live in? Ooh, look at this. It's so fun. Right. Now, in this cut, Eric Adams tells us the obvious. We know there are too many guns on the streets. And look, I'll give you some credit. You've taken a bunch of guns off the streets. I mean, basically a pimple on somebody's ass. If you take away three or 4,000 guns, that ain't nothing. There's like millions of illegal guns. Millions. So you want some credit? Sure, I'll give you some credit. Here's Eric Adams with a very obvious statement. This is cut number six. 
there are too many guns on our streets. No. We brought down homicides. We brought down uh, victims of shooters. Uh, we continue to do the job. Our police department has done an amazing job, 27-year high. Uh, the thousands of guns we removed remove off our streets. But everyone must play the role. Judges must keep shooters in jail. Lawmakers make sure we don't make laws that allow them to return to our, our streets. We have to prosecute these cases. There are too many guns on our streets. That was actually a really good cut for Adams. Talked yeah. about the judges, sure. talked about the guns. Everything he said on that, in that cut was, was right. Was true. Yeah, all of give it. Give it to him. So let's give him that one. Okay, that's Good one. job. Good Great. job, Mayor Eric Adams. All right, cool. Now he's talking about perception, though, perception of fear. Here's where he loses me again. If you remember when he first won the election, he said flat out, crime on the subways is a perception. Now he gave you a stat. Millions of people take the subways, and he's right. There's not hundreds and or thousands of crimes every day. I, for one, have taken the subway almost every day, even through the pandemic, and I've never had an issue, ever. I've seen some really nasty stuff. I mean, I have to tell Eric Adams, when I see a guy half-naked masturbating on the subway, which I've seen a hundred times, that's a crime. But is he playing the trumpet, too? Sometimes. Okay. Only the really talented ones. Well, yeah that's, yeah, that's something. They should sell tickets for that. I that's agree. what you should say. Well, that's what makes New York great. Pivot and shift <laughs> to the trumpet area. <laughs> Here is uh, Eric Adams talking about actual crime and then perception. Lewis, cut number seven. I think we have eight homicides this year, two more than, than last year. Uh, uh, you, you, you can't tie oh. all of them to people with emotional issues. You can't? Uh, some of them what? are violent people, criminals, well, uh, that right. we must continue to uh, make sure we have the police present, the proper deployment, uh, to do our job in law enforcement, which we have. You know, everyone knows, you know, I quote it often, uh, the number of firearms we've removed from the, from the streets uh, and our action plan on the subway system. My goal is to continue to enhance that because I said it over and over again. We're dealing with actual crimes, those eight uh, homicides, and we're dealing with the perception of fear that people are feeling. That's the combination, and I must deal with that profes- per- perception and the actual crime. Oh boy, lost that me. That was not a great cut. Yeah. Lost me. Yeah, and stop saying perception, Eric. Mayor Eric, what stop it, saying it. What does it mean? It means that you're making it up. Oh, okay. It means that there's really no crime issue. Oh, cool. That the numbers don't tell you there's a crime issue. Cool. And that uh, stop acting as if. Cool. And that's not fair because. Even if it's not a violent crime on the subway every day, I take them every day. There's enough that goes on on the subway that falls short, Mayor Adams, of murder that makes the subway really scary. I mean, my son, for example, I take him home every now and then on the ferry. We got to take the two or the three train down to Wall Street. And he sees it up on that train where he has told me and my wife, Danielle, I don't want to take the train anymore. He's never been shot stabbed, murdered, but he sees things that are so terrifying, he doesn't want to take the train. And, and Mayor Eric Adams is not taking any of that into account when he talks about these types of numbers. Perception. Yeah, Ignore perception. It. So when they stab you, you just so oh, well, I made it up. I made well, it up. yeah, that's a perceived injury. Until you have to uh, go to the we hospital. a soft opening. Right. And this, uh, the governor spoke yesterday, too. I mean, uh, I do like Adams more than Hochul. I'll give you that. How about you, Lewis? Would you go that far? 
Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, I used to like Mussolini better than Hitler. So. <laughs> yeah, I see where you're yeah, coming that's from. Funny. That's funny. I knew right. you did that. Very Great. good. Okay, let's, let's pick one. Yeah. So Great. she was uh, beating her chest yesterday, too, about gun crimes <laughs> decreasing in New York. I mean, these people are absolutely delusional. And I get it. The midterms are now, what, 21 days away. That's right, folks. Three weeks from today. This is exciting. Three weeks from today is Election Day. And some of these races around the country, these guys are killing each other in debates. We've got audio from Walker and Warnock in Georgia. Last night, Ryan and Vance in Ohio. They went at each other pretty damn good. So I get it. 21 days away, you're going to talk as if things are great, and they're not. Kathy Hochul beat her chest yesterday. Lewis, this is Kathy Hochul, cut number 13. Let's just talk about one crime that really frightens people, and that is gun violence, shootings. And I'm, we're not done yet, but the fact that shootings are down 13% in New York State uh-huh. is really extraordinary. Uh, those are good numbers. It could have been up 13%. Other parts of the country, they're seeing a decrease in shootings of about 2%. So down 13% statewide, down 14 percent in New York City, down 18 percent on Long Island, Stop. and All even right. in places Back in. like. And they're clapping these morons <laughs> because she's making it up. And even my yeah, shut it off. Buffalo. Shut it off. I, I mean, look, the shootings may be down, but violent crime is up. Who cares what the numbers right. are? Right. I mean, please stop. But we're down 13.8 percent. Right. That's good right now. She actually went on to say that things are better in Buffalo. I implore her to prove that. Sit down with Lee Zeldin, Andrew Giuliani, Rob Astorino, Harry Wilson. They'll be the first to tell you. Cities like Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Monticello, Utica, and others. Hell holes. Hell holes. Crime skyrocketing. No industry. Drugs everywhere. People walking around like zombies. I'm not sure what movie Kathy Hogan is watching. But it ain't a true story. Fiction is always fun. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Again, a great guest list today, Bo Deedle, the terrific actor Steve Sharippa, who loved Bernard, Kara Kashranova. Some more surprises along the way. This is a Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid. It's only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Reach out, touch space. Half the weight. I um, saw these guys one time. I'm a big Depeche Mode fan. I love all that alternative rock music. I'm actually mad at my friend Chris Olivero, 
who runs all the Odyssey stations here in New York, including WFAN and 1010 Wins. I called Oliver last week and yelled at him because they're getting rid of 92.3. And on the way into work every morning, to be completely honest, my driver, Freddie, goes back and forth between that and Frank Morano. We like Frank. But I love that alternative music. And they used to love, like, DRE, for example. And um, what was it? It was LIR. LIR. Yeah. And I used to go to 007 or Metro 700 and Franklin Square on Thursday nights and saw a flock of seagulls. I've been over this um, a bunch of times. So I went once and I saw Depeche Mode at the Giant Stadium. It was a brutal night, like 100 degrees, August night. And the acts that opened before them were the Pixies and the Rockets. Loving Rockets. Yes. Yeah, I probably was at that show. You think you were there? I think so, but I, I remember it being The Cure. No, I saw The Cure, too, but not that night. It was The Pixies, Loving Rockets, and Depeche Mode. And God, was it boring. I got to tell you. What, the concert? Or? The, well, The Cure were boring. Oh, the, well, I love Robert Smith, though. Yeah, but they didn't do anything but play 10-minute dirges. Oh, I hate that. And then you didn't know the song was over until he would come on and go, Thank you! <laughs> yeah. That was be it. I, oh, I guess it's over. Well, yeah, Right. Well, Giant it, it, stadium, and uh, you can't even see them. No one has longer uh, beginnings to their songs than The Cure. Like Lullaby, Pictures of You. Fascinations. Right. It goes Just, on for like oh, an yeah, hour really. before the first lyric. You but, can go um, concession stand, come back. <laughs> right, and they haven't started singing oh, yet. All right, cool. We're going to play some of that today. But um, but the Pesh Mode, that was, that was a fun show. Now, I, I did some Orange Mesk before the show. And, um, <laughs> well... Well, it wasn't in very good shape, Louis. I... <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you couldn't play the trumpet down in the subway no, station, no. you mean? No, no. It wasn't going to happen that oh, night. All right. I'm not even sure if the show was all that good, but it was... You remember the Violator album? Great. Which this song was on, Personal Jesus. But there was one song that was a monster hit. Uh, enjoy, what was... enjoy the Silence. Yes, very good. And everybody loved that song. So I went to see that show, and um, it was very good. I told you I was watching last week on VH1. They do the years in review. And for some reason that night when I tuned in, they were reviewing 1981 and 1982. And in one of those years, Depeche Mode came out with their first album, not Violator, but their first album. And uh, Marty and all those guys looked rough. One of the uh, top guys in that band left after the first album. He left. But, of course, they wanted to enjoy some, some great success. So uh, Oliveira's going to get rid of that station, and I have no idea now where to find alternative rock music. I mean, I guess you can go to Channel 33 on Sirius XM. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that where the guy just died, though, that from that band, Depeche Mode? Which guy? They, uh, one of the keyboard guys. They have, it's, it's the guy, know. Marty. I don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't know. He just, I think that's the guy who just died. Yeah. Well, they're a great band. I love that song they do, the um, my, my girlfriend, um, my best friend, not, not the one that the car sang. But, oh, yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's a great song. Andy Fletcher. Oh, Andy Fletcher did die, you're right. Yeah, he died yeah. in June. Yeah, don't, uh, where is Justin Ellick? And I, I know he's uh, tired because he sat in the Bronx for like eight hours last night, the idiot. But where is, I don't have the, um, I don't have the clip of the oh, day the and all that. Yeah. You know what it is? Uh, I, I don't even have it here. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I've been talking on the air. I don't even. We've we got to talk for like a minute or two. I, well, let I me do this it. first. Okay. Join 77. Well, don't out. talk. I'm on the air, dummy. Will you be quiet? Will you shut his mic off? I'm on the air. 
Join 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation. This is coming up on Friday, October the 28th. Well, I got to tell you this story out of Bristol, Connecticut, where these officers were gunned down in cold blood after a bogus 911 call. It is, it gets worse and worse by the day. It's a horrible story. And everybody here at WABC, our hearts go out to those, um, those officers and their families. Friday, October the 28th, we'll have special guests and commentary. This will be the third consecutive year we'll be doing that show on this show. John and Margot Katsimatidis do a great job with the police. PAL, all that stuff. 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda back the blue. Nobody backs the blue more than John, Margot, Bernie, and Sid. And we'll do the show coming up on Friday, October the 28th. Now, we've got traffic and sports coming up. But first, it's the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Dominic Carter City Hall. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Here, Dominic talks about... I don't know. It's not on the sheet. I have no idea. Uh... I don't have the... Uh... Well, just play it. God, who cares? Play it. <laughs> the conversation is with Steve Adubato. Steve is an Emmy award-winning anchor on State of Affairs, which airs on public broadcasting and the author of Lessons in Leadership. My wife said, isn't it great to see President Biden and Governor DeSantis working together on behalf of the people of Florida? And she's absolutely right about that, and I agree with her. But isn't it something that we actually have to make a big deal about that? Isn't it something that that's the exception and not the rule? Isn't it something that so many people died, lost their homes, lost their businesses, lost everything? If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Sports is brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. How about my hockey blue shirts? Rangers off to a great start this season, and I believe Justin Ellick is going to start right there. How about him, Sid? Yeah, rags. Uh, up to 3-1 and one now on the brand-new season. They beat the Anaheim Ducks at the Garden last night by a score of 6-4. to four. Artemi Panarin, he settled into uh, this new season with a goal and three assists. But once again, it was Mika Zibanejad assuming the role of X-Factor, netting not one, but two goals on the evening. Panarin moves in.
Rangers got the garden rocking early on in the season. That caught courtesy of MSG. Mika would add two assists to boot, and the Rangers' impressive start continues as they move to 3-1 on the brand-new season before welcoming in the San Jose Sharks on Thursday. As for your other local hockey clubs, the Islanders, they get set to host the aforementioned Sharks tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and the Devils welcoming the Ducks tonight at 7 p.m. following their beatdown at the Garden last night. And Yankee fans like myself, who were stuck at Yankee Stadium, were out of luck as Game 5 of the ALDS. Between the Guardians and Yankees was postponed this afternoon at 4.07 p.m. Eastern Time. Nestor Cortez will get the ball on short rest and do his best to lift the Yanks to a date with the Astros in the ALCS set to begin tomorrow in Houston. And Week 6 of the NFL season wraps up in Los Angeles as the Broncos paid the Chargers a visit just to get handed their fourth loss of the season in the form of a 19-16 final score in overtime in a game featuring four field goals from the foot of Chargers kicker Dustin Hopkins. Quarterback Justin Herbert didn't complete a touchdown pass for the first time in 27 games. Nonetheless, L.A. gets it done to move to 4-2 and two on the year, while the Broncos, boy, they continue to plummet that now sit at 2-4 and four overall. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I am Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, hot booty here. When Sid asked if I'd leave a personal heartfelt memory of Bernie, I thought, you know, why didn't he ask other successful New York filmmakers like Marty Scorsese or Spike Lee? And he said, yeah, well, I did, but they weren't available. <laughs> Great. Anyway, here I am with my lovely wife, Yao Ming. <clears throat> I'm Sunyi. And I just want to say from the both of us, Bernie was really dynamite, you know? We've listened from the peak Imus years to his days with Sid. Now, I mean, you know, granted, I'm a progressive liberal with ties to the Democratic Party since Roosevelt, and Bernie liked forcing me to step on my own glasses with jackboots. But why quibble? <laughs> and while I don't believe in an afterlife, I, I do believe that he's in a better place now. And when I say a better place, I mean better than the executive washroom at WABC after one of the sales guys used it. <laughs> sales guy. I, I guess my best memory, Bernie, is when he boxed it the charity way back when, you know, I, I haven't seen scraps of meat strewn about like that at Leibowitz's butcher shop. But all kidding aside, let's talk about charity and Bernie's big heart. He had one of the biggest, and he gave all of it to his family, his friends, his co-workers, complete strangers, and all of New York. Rest easy, Bernie, and much love from the Woodman.
Is that Laura Curran sitting next to Joe Pinion on yes, Fox News? That's funny. They're doing a whole thing on the midterms with Steve Ducey on Fox News right now. And you have Laura Curran, who, of course, the former Nassau County executive, does a podcast right here. And uh, my friend Joe Pinion, who's running against Chuck Schumer. And as we uh, stated earlier, by the way, that was uh, my friend Tom Alexander down in Davie, Florida, who does a great Woody Allen, a great Woody Allen. Thank you for that, Tom. The, um, the midterms, three weeks from today, folks, 21 days from today, we got, some, uh, we got some excitement coming your way. That's for us. You know, the Super Bowl is in Arizona this year. And if the season ended today, which is one of the dumbest sports comments you hear all the time from sports talk radio hosts, if it ended today, well, it doesn't end today. Not even close. But if it ended today, the Philadelphia Eagles would play the Buffalo Bills. In Arizona, in the Super Bowl. Good, let's do that. Come on, let's get it going. That could be it anyway, but um, <laughs> pretty good odds of that. But our Super Bowl is three weeks from today. That's our Super Bowl. And then, I don't know, maybe it's our, maybe that's our college football championship game. I guess the Super Bowl would be the 2024 presidential election when hopefully Donald Trump comes back and kicks everybody's ass. So maybe this will be the BCS National Championship game. But there's so much at stake here. The gubernatorial race, all these great Senate races around the country, the opportunity for Republicans to take back the House and the Senate. So much at stake here. Now we're just three weeks away. So Fox News just did something locally with Curran, Pinion, and some other person. I don't know who that person was. And uh, it's getting exciting. You know, what is Kathy Hochul talking about? We're all in this city outraged and fearful of all these violent crimes, subway murders, of which, again, let me remind Eric Adams, the mayor, and other folks, only 33% of the murders committed in the subway involve gun violence. 33%. Others, knives, throwing folks in front of moving trains. And yes, Mayor While those are criminals, they are also mentally ill. I will argue with you all day long that no sane person kills somebody for no reason. If that person does that, they are sick. Sick. They may not be the person deprecating here on 3rd Avenue in the street. That person may not be violent, but he or she is sick too. But anybody who commits an act of violence without any provocation or self-defense is a sick person, Mayor Adams. They're one and the same. But it's not gun violence that's killing people in the subways. But this governor is hooked on these catalytic converter crimes. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I know it, it's becoming a big deal that they're stealing Catalytic converters out of your car, I guess, right by the muffler. I don't know. But is that what we're worried about in New York? Stealing catalytic converters? Got to pivot and shift toward the converter. (laughs) She actually talked about this yesterday. I mean, here's Lee Zeldin holding a press conference outside of a subway station in the Bronx. 
talking about violent crime and people feeling safe in the city. And this moron is talking about people stealing catalytic converters. I'm not kidding you. In fact, I'll play this. Here it is. It's uh, <laughs> Kathy Hochul number 12 is the first one. It's a huge crime wave, catalytic converters. You've heard me talk about a lot of challenges we've had here in the state of New York with respect to crime. It's not just New York. It is nationwide. And we continue to be laser focused. One of our highest priorities, I've said since I first took office, will be increasing public safety overall. And today we're here to talk about a unique crime, one that maybe not was top of mind for a lot of people even the last couple of years, but has really risen to the top of why we have an increasing crime rate. And that's the theft of catalytic converters. I and it's not just, as I said, New York, a New York issue. It's a rising spike all over the country. But the thefts here in New York State have just recently. You want to stop that there? (laughs) And I'll get into the numbers, but there's reasons why they're targeting these crimes in our state. But we do take the effort to focus on crimes overall uh, very, very seriously. And we are making progress. That's great news. Thank God. Yeah. We're getting guns off the streets and finding out folks who are stealing catalytic converters. Rape is up. Assault is up. Serious crimes are up. But damn it. If you think you're going to steal a catalytic converter today, we are coming after your ass. Not in my city. <laughs> Here's number 14. She, she adds to this, uh, this horrible problem here in New York. We do see an uptick in property crimes. And here's the context. From 2019 to 2021, overall property crimes declined, with New York having the lowest rate, 30% lower than the national average. But just in 2022, something has happened. What's that? New York State has experienced a real rise in property crimes, and what is driving that is thefts of catalytic converters. <laughs> now, Come on. Over the last couple no, of years, it's just a joke, right? over 200 <laughs> percent in some parts of our state. Nassau County, Come on. over 1,549 thefts this year compared to 445 last year. Oh God! A 248 percent increase. Suffolk County, there have been. 819 oh. cases, up from 289 a year ago, 183% increase. Right. And the numbers are even more alarming in New York mm. City. They've actually quadrupled sure. uh, in, the, in the, the city compared to a year ago. Mm-hmm. Does she think that people are running out of New York City like I did because, or New York, I should say, because people are stealing catalytic converters? I mean, you talk about somebody who's completely tone deaf. We're worried about violent crime. I'm not discounting what she's saying. It is true, and it's it's not a lot of fun when you try to start your car the next morning. I get all that. But there are people breaking into homes in Howard Beach that are, like, beating up homeowners and raping people. Well, what is she? Catalytic converters. So here's Lee Zeldin, our choice for governor. He holds a press conference outside of a train station in the Bronx yesterday, and he most recently got a very enthusiastic endorsement from President Trump, which I read to you yesterday. It's on Truth Social, President Trump's social media platform. And he did a whole long thing on how much he likes Lee Zeldin and why Lee Zeldin is the right choice. But Zeldin talked yesterday about how, yes, that's great, Donald Trump, but it's not just about Trump. It's a lot bigger than that. This is Lewis Lee Zeldin, cut number 10. Shouldn't have been news. I mean, he's uh, he supported me before this weekend. We've been getting great support from all over. I mean, we're getting support from 
people who are Republicans, who are Democrats, who are independents. Uh, this is great how many people want to help us win this race and to save the state. Uh, we've gotten support from Democrat sitting elected officials, Bob Holden, for example, in Queens, from former Democratic elected officials, including from right here in the Bronx, uh, Ruben Diaz, from right here in the Bronx, Steve Kaufman. Uh, one is a former state senator, the other one is a former state assemblyman, uh, former state assemblyman Dove Hyken. So the support is coming in right now from all over. I welcome it. It's fantastic. And he also makes the point, folks, these Democrats out there, they turn their own races into basically Donald Trump. And Zeldin makes a point to Hochul, hey, baby, it's you versus me. Has nothing to do with President Trump. He may not have said, hey, baby, I think I added that, uh, Lewis. No, I heard some it. Creative, uh, oh, you did hear that. Good. This is, uh, this is Lee Zeldin. Hey, baby. Outside of a Bronx train station yesterday, cut number 11. When I first started running, people would ask me, are you a John Boehner Republican or a Tea Party Republican? And I would get asked, are you a Ted Cruz Republican or a Pete King Republican? Pete King. At the start of this campaign, I was asked, are you a Charlie Baker Republican or a Ron DeSantis Republican? I'm my own man. Uh, but this race is about is about Lee Zeldin against Kathy Hochul deciding the future of New York State. It's not about the former president. There you have it. A Peter King mention. Am I a Peter King Republican? Very cool. Pete's listening right now. He loved that. He's like, hey, Rosemary, you hear that? Zeldin just talked about me. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. I'll get a text from that later. He'll put up some Facebook post. Uh, he is a, Zeldin is a Pete King Republican. No question about it. <laughs> the theft of cigarette lighters and cars has risen to an absurd level in this state. It is unbelievable. You really can't even make this up. Along with the ashtrays, and it will not be tolerated. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, I do want to put this out there, too, folks. A week from tomorrow, October the 26th, a week from tomorrow, is Bernard's birthday. And if you don't already know, we're going to have a really beautiful mass at St. Patrick's, uh, Patrick's Cathedral. A week from tomorrow on Bernard's birthday, which will be open, I believe, to the public. I'll have more details to follow. But again, for you folks out there that really want to pay your last respects to Bernard, besides, like Lisa Ganji did, go visit him at the cemetery. A week from tomorrow on Bernie's birthday, a big, beautiful ceremony at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Again, more details to come. Bo Deedle. Steve Sharippa, Cara Castronovo, more. We'll be back right here on a Tuesday morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Rob Napolitano checks in. My buddy from up at the Inn and Tony's on Arthur Avenue. He says Governor Hochul forgot to mention newspaper theft from home stoops is up 78%. (laughs) That's big. (laughs) That's a very, very serious crime. This is MP Cater Chef on my Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. Next, Hochul's going after fast food sugar packet thieves. And, of course, uh, they're both kidding, but they're not. We're worried about violent crime in this city. People being pushed in front of moving trains, shot, stabbed, raped, molested. You know, <laughs> she's talking about catalytic converters. And it may be a huge problem. She's, she's right. I'm sure she's right. But three weeks from today's the election, stupid. You can arrest every person who has stolen a catalytic converter ever. You're not going to win because of that, baby. We want violent people off the streets. That's what we care about. And she spent literally 10 minutes yesterday talking about catalytic converters. So the Senate races are heating up all over the country, too. I like this uh, this stuff. I like this Election Day stuff and the debates. Because I'm a sports guy at heart. And it's all about competition. Whether it's Federer and Nadal on the tennis court. You know, we're... Tonight, you'll have the Lakers and the Warriors, Steph Curry, last second going up against that Laker defense, or the Guardians pitcher tonight facing Aaron Judge. I like that competition. And to me, this isn't a heck of a lot different, certainly much more on the line. I mean, I've been asked a million times, we like to throw word that word renaissance, uh, man. That's me. I actually went from a dopey sports talk host to talking about stuff that matters, but, but, There's a lot of similarities between the two. People end up with very serious loyalties, sometimes folks that don't deserve it, quite frankly. That's not the case with Donald Trump, but there's a lot of similarities. You start to love a team, a player, a political candidate. You hate the other ones. So at least on the surface, they're not much different. And that's why I've been able to succeed, I believe, in both. And I enjoy it. I enjoy the competition. So Herschel Walker, who's a part of both of my worlds, some still think to this day the greatest college football player ever, an unbelievable career as a running back for the Georgia Bulldogs. Then, and you folks may not know this, Herschel Walker opted not to go straight to the NFL. Instead, he was drafted by who, Lou? The Kansas City Jayhawks. I have no idea. Okay. Okay. Phil, well, how about you? He was. I forgot the team. It was a Donald Trump team, right? That's right. The New Jersey Generals, owned by Donald Trump in the USFL. I was going to say that one. That's where that relationship started, going back about 40 years ago, when Walker decided, much like other superstars, Steve Young went to the USFL, Reggie White went to the USFL, Doug Flutie. There's a ton of big-time players. And Trump picked up Herschel Walker with the New Jersey Generals. In fact, the running backs were Herschel Walker and Maurice Carthon, who went on to be a very good running back for the New York Football Giants. Then Herschel played in Dallas and Minnesota in the National Football League. And now, of course, he's a politician. So he's done the sports world and the political world, much like I have. But he's in a much more serious situation because he needs to win. As uh, I guess Rich Lowry said yesterday, he is very, very confident 
that if one of those two races, Herschel Walker in Georgia, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, goes our way, then we're going to win back the Senate. The House, and you hate to, again, chalk up victories before the game, but the House looks like a fait accompli. But the Senate could be a different story. So Walker went head-to-head this weekend in Georgia against this racist Warnock, who's a horrible person, by the way. And uh, they had a debate, and we've got some of the highlights. Highlights, yes, like Chris Berman. From Herschel Walker and Warnock. And it sounded something like this. And Senator Warnock won. That's the reason I decided to run. In Atlanta, Georgia, there's more black baby that is aborted than uh, than anything. So if black lives matter, why are you not protecting those babies? And instead of aborting those babies, why are you not baptizing those babies? He's just a neat talker. But did he not mention that there's a baby in that room as well? And also, did he not mention that he asked him that he asking the taxpayer to pay for it. So he's bringing the government back into the room. The way you be the bullet show strength. Well, Senator will not say he stood up. He not stood up to Biden. If he was standing up, he wouldn't have voted with him 96% of the time, which gave us an open, it gave us an open border, which gave us high inflation, which gave us crime in the streets. And he's talking about standing up and you continue to pat yourself on the back. But right now, families are starving. Right now, families are hurting, and they're hurting because of the bills and the laws you're passing right now. In this area, most people live paycheck to paycheck. When we have inflation the way he's brought inflation on, how in the world can we buy grocery or gas for your family? Right now, with everything that is going on, what I like to do is get to what's important. What's important is protecting the border. What's important is protecting people on the street. What's important is getting this inflation down. Well, Senator, you need. And it's okay to speak the truth. Do not bear false witness, Senator. Do not bear false witness. Oh, my God. How great was that? Herschel Walker, do not bear false witness, Mr. Senator. And he talked about inflation and crime, all the things that have really turned this country upside down. He did fail to mention, Herschel. The catalytic converter issue that needs to be. Um, uh, Phil, you got to get this out to the Republican candidates. Every one of them must talk about this pressing issue before Election Day coming up in three weeks. Hold on, give me a second. I think someone's stealing my catalytic converter. Yeah, get converter. it out to uh, Herschel Walker and J.D. Vance and all these folks vying. Talking about J.D. Vance, that was Herschel Walker and Warnock in Georgia. Last night was the last Senate debate in the great state of Ohio between Donald Trump's guy... J.D. Vance, and Tim Ryan. And once again, I know I'm biased. I know I am, and so is Bernard. But I really feel like the Republicans are winning all of these. Now, of course, a Democrat's going to tell me different, but I really feel like they are. Last night in Ohio, the last debate, J.D. Vance jumped all over Tim Ryan talking about the borders, and somehow Democrats believe if you want to close the border, you're a racist which, of course, is ridiculous. This is a cut number 20, Vance and Ryan, toe-to-toe in the ring in Ohio. No, this is, this is disgusting. I, I'd like to get here's more. exactly what happens when the media and people like Tim Ryan accuse me of engaging the great, great replacement theory. I'll tell you, you exactly, peddling it. I'll you tell you exactly what happens, Tim. What happens is that my own children, my biracial children, uh-huh. get attacked by scumbags 
online and what? in person because you are so desperate what? for political power that you'll <laughs> accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies, of engaging in racism. Wow. We are sick of it. You can believe in a border without being a racist. You can believe in the, the country without being a racist. And this just shows how desperate this guy is for political power. I know you've been in office for 20 years, Tim, and I know it's a sweet gig, but you're so desperate not to have a real job that you'll <laughs> slander me and slander my family. It's disgraceful. Wow. Scumbag. And I know where he's coming from because my beautiful wife, Danielle, is biracial, which, of course, makes Avon Gabriel biracial. And I make a stupid Venus Williams joke, and I get called a racist, which, of course, is ridiculous. Errol Lewis. Errol, did you know my wife is biracial? Puttface. So uh, I know where J.D. Vance is coming from. Uh, in this one, you remember last week, Alex Jones? If you don't know who Alex Jones is, he works for some stupid um, radio, uh, Infowars or something. And he's a lowlife is what he is. I don't care how much we agree on certain topics. He's a lowlife. He actually made the argument that the shootings at Sandy Hook, where Adam Lanza went and killed all these beautiful little children, didn't happen. He actually made that argument. So they fined the guy like a billion dollars. Me, I would have put him in jail. Screw the money. Put this psycho in jail. So Ryan, Tim Ryan has been saying to folks that J.D. Vance supports Alex Jones. Of course, that's not true. So J.D. Vance had to correct that last night, too, in this Ohio debate. Lewis, this is cut number 21. We are running for the United States Senate. This is the highest office you could get in this country except for president. And he's running around backing these extremists, the most extreme people in the country, a guy who denied Sandy Hook. He's like, he, no, he's credible. Thank you, Congressman. I mean, you don't have to. This I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, it's maddening. This is a complete fabrication. I never JD, said that, JD, you're on tape, Tim. brother. You're on tape, I man. I never said that, Tim. You, Go and run the tape and find out exactly okay. what I It'll said. It'll be like 30 minutes, and we're all going to know I, you're lying. I, 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 ne- I never said that. Notice that he didn't actually answer the question. Well, I didn't give you a single example of something that would meaningfully reduce gun violence, either on our streets My microphone or our not schools. working. Then they get to the border which is a very, very sensitive and serious topic. Got to close the border. Got to close the border. And Vance says, hey, Ryan, you have voted against wall funding a bunch of times. Cut. Number 23, Lewis, J.D. Vance, and Tim Ryan, Ohio debate, arguing about closing the border. Let me address a bigger issue here. So what Tim Ryan said about dealing with border security actually sounds okay. But it goes to the heart of why Tim Ryan has been a failed leader and would be a failed senator. You cannot honestly pretend to be a defender of border security when you have voted for amnesty multiple times in the Congress. You cannot pretend to be a defender of border security when you have voted against border wall funding multiple times. You know, members of Congress get to take somebody to the State of the Union address. And a few years ago, Tim Ryan took somebody to the State of the Union address, not somebody affected by the opioid problem, not a steel worker who lost his job because Tim Ryan didn't do his. He took an illegal alien. His entire 20 years in Congress, he has been anti-border security, and now we're paying the consequences for it. And my simple argument to Tim Ryan or to especially people in the Mahoning Valley is if you don't do your job, you don't deserve a promotion. Do your job on border security, Tim, then come and ask the people of Ohio for a promotion to the U.S. Senate. And then, of course, uh, the last one here, no shock, Tim Ryan, no fan of the police, 
you Democrats are, whether it's Max Rose running against Nicole Maliotakis. Of course, they had that Nancy debate last week, and she contends he marched with the BLM and the, the fun police people, and he did. He did. Uh, that may not have been the initial uh, you know, motivation behind the event, but he was there amongst people who were screaming, kill the cops, defund the police. J.D. Vance says, that's you, Tim Ryan. Lewis, cut number 24. Of course, the Fraternal Order of Police has endorsed me because you have stabbed the police of this district and of this entire state in the back many, many times. That's why they've endorsed me. There you have it, folks. Herschel Walker, need him to win in Georgia. J.D. Vance, he's going to win. He's got Donald Trump's endorsement in the state of Ohio. Three weeks from today, the big day. The midterms, Election Day 2022. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We get Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up next. That's always great. And then uh, the man himself, the very entertaining Bo Deedle. Always tremendous on a Tuesday morning. And don't forget, coming up at 840, one of Bernie's favorites, Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos, and now a big star in Blue Bloods, the great Steve Sharippa, on this, the Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Tuesday, writing in the Washington Post, Margaret Sullivan, a columnist, lists a long countdown of how badly she has been treated by supporters of Donald Trump. Now, I have no doubt it's true, because in six years at the Post, I have not seen one positive thing the woman has ever written about the former president or his entire administration. Not one. Apparently, Trump did nothing right in four years and deserves continuing scorn and denigration, as do all of his supporters. Then, the always amusing George Clooney tells Chris Wallace how cruel Republicans really are. Nothing good about them, Georgie says, nothing at all. I fully realize that any semblance of fairness has been wiped out in the ideological media, and the right can get ultra-nasty, no question about it. But there's no comparison to the hatred on the left, which Sullivan and Clooney totally ignore. Why? Because they're ideologues, and they hate Donald Trump. It's just the way it is. And it's especially troubling because Donald Trump may run for president again in 2024. If that happens, this country will approach a fissure not seen since the Civil War. Back. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. 
Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. morning again folks a week from tomorrow was uh is bernard's birthday he was born october the 26th i know some of you facebook folks get these messages on january 1st that's a lie october 26th is actually bernie's birthday and we're going to do a beautiful mass when i say we this is john katsimatidi's idea i gotta give him the credit i'm sure margo and chad were involved too but it was john's idea to have a mass for bernie the official goodbye Coming up on his birthday a week from tomorrow. I don't have the details yet in terms of time and all of that. I'm waiting on Chan to get back to me. But we will have the Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral a week from tomorrow, Wednesday, October the 26th, on Bernie's birthday. I know his family is intending to come. I spoke to Mike Breen yesterday. Breen, of course, on his way to Memphis because the Knicks start their season in Memphis against the Grizzlies tomorrow night. But Breen did talk to Carol yesterday, and as far as I know, Carol and Bernie's son, Brendan, and his beautiful daughter, Melanie, they're all going to be there next Wednesday. So more details to come, but folks, if you can get here to the city, it's the most beautiful cathedral, I think, in the country, and it's for a beautiful man who um, still can't believe he's gone, and uh, tomorrow, of course, will also be two weeks to the day that Bernie actually passed away. So more details to come on that. On a more positive note, I'm getting an award, Lewis. I'm getting an award. Damn, about time. What do you mean? I've gotten other awards before. But you're right. It is about time, right? I meant meant about time uh, for October. Yeah. The Metropolitan Republican Club, where I made a speech just a couple of weeks ago, my uh, beautiful friend, Chris Lenzo, invited me there. And they're presenting their 119th annual gala, making America even greater and it's Monday, November the 14th, and I don't know where it is yet. It's in private place on the Upper East Side. They're actually honoring Steve Bannon, <laughs> who I think is in prison right now. I don't even know. And uh, Peter Navarro. It's hosted by Sean Farish, who does the best Donald Trump impression ever. He's a super kid, and I'm getting some, like, Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm very excited. You going to come? Uh, yeah, I you already, guys never come to my stuff. I you just don't care. Booked, I already booked my table. <laughs> just, just, 
I got it. You no. guys never come to any of my stuff. I do book signings. I, you guys are never there. Okay. You're like the, I mean, yeah, I mean, you and I are very close. Too. We've been close for 25 years, like me and Bernie were. But for the most part, it's just, you guys just don't care about anything I do. Nothing. It's just, nothing. I, I already picked my entree. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. So, just getting steak, di- uh, steak, di- uh, uh, fried diablo. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I got. Sure, good. Go with that. Phil, are you coming to this? Uh, this is a big night for me. Phil is very busy right now doing. What are you doing? <laughs> God, no. He's what, what are you doing, Phil? He's huh? What? What, what are you doing? You, you lose right. You look like you're like you're trying to figure out uh, how to stop the Russians from nuking Ukraine. Yeah, I'm orchestrating data charts. What does that mean? I see like multicolors uh, and five columns. It's color coded and it's uh, all. I have a lot of formulas. Like that. Homeland Security. He's, uh... He's got like figures with explosions. <laughs> right. A lot of people's lives are at risk right now. This is extremely important. Says, whatever, whatever award you're talking about pales in comparison to this chart. Says, fold A, flap B. This hit this and it detonates. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I don't know. Congratulations, though. I'll have the uh, steak medium rare. Are you going to come? Oh, where is it? It's going to be, uh, I believe, East 60th Street in, uh, on the east side, New York City. Very nice. What, what time is it? Well, I don't know. Ah, I'm sick. I can't make Phil, it. Phil. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil already told me chicken, so now you're changing it to <laughs> yeah. steak. Okay. Phil will now not go gonna... anywhere at night starting tonight because the NBA season starts tonight. Oh, I'm not kidding you. God. Like, yeah. the, like, like, like who cares? I, listen, I, I'm going to watch the Knicks because my son Gabe is into basketball, uh, and I love Mike Green. I am a Knicks fan. But, like, tonight, Lakers, Warriors, 76ers, Celtics. This I know, but this guy's going to be glued to the TV yeah. set. Hey, I'm not going to admit. I, I watch, like, four games a day typically. You see? See? Now, talking about sports, and you political junkies are going to love this, two horrible ladies, horrible, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, and Dr. Jill Biden, the president's wife. So, oh, thank you. John Katzmatidis just gave me the time for Bernard's Mass at St. Patrick's a week from tomorrow on Bernie's birthday. It'll be from 10 a.m. to noon. Which is going to be hard for me to get there by 10 a.m. Because my show ends at 10 a.m. It seems by the laws of physics that might be a problematic situation. Me, you, Phil, and Justin can walk there in about 15 minutes. So, John, you may want to change that to 10.15. But at any rate, uh, 10 to noon a week from tomorrow on Bernie's birthday. This is an incredibly thoughtful event put on by John Katsimatidis. Incredibly thoughtful for a deserving man, I don't think Ed Shanahan's going to be there. That prick from the New York Times. Not from what I read yesterday. Yeah. Oh, well, I saw all the uh, messages to Ed. They were oh. very nice. Oh. Yeah. He'd have a really bad time if you went there. Yeah. A really, really bad I, time. I would love to see Errol Lewis and Ed Shanahan sit in the front row right there at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral. But uh, uh, thank you, John, for that. 10 to noon next Wednesday. But getting back to these two uh, ladies. So they both talking about sports. They have recently gone to sporting events. Kathy Hochul and Jill Biden, and had to deal with the crowd. I remember when Donald Trump was at a Washington National baseball game, and he received a smattering of cheers. There were boos, but there were some cheers. When you listen to how these two ladies were treated at their respective sporting events, it's got to make you happy. Kathy Hochul at a Rangers game at Madison Square Garden and Jill Biden just this past Sunday night at an Eagles game 
because that's our hometown, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. And to say these two ladies were treated rudely would be the biggest understatement of the year. To say it was great would also be the biggest understatement of the year. So let's walk down memory lane a couple of months ago when Kathy Hochul actually dropped the ceremonial first puck at a Rangers game at Madison Square Garden. Here's how my Ranger brethren treated the current governor. Governor Hochul began her career in public service in the greater Buffalo area, served in Congress, and was twice elected <laughs> lieutenant governor. Yes. Here to drop tonight's ceremonial first puck, <laughs> a champion of women's rights <laughs> and leader of the great state of New York, please welcome <laughs> Governor Kathy Hochul. Oh, my. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> Would you please watch your catalytic converters on the way home? <laughs> oh, she would say that today. So now let's fast forward to Sunday night. Eagles, Cowboys, big matchup at the link on national television Sunday night. And here is Dr. Jill Biden. Which was worse? Who got a worse reception, Phil, Macedonia Phil? Kathy Hochul or Joe Biden? Uh, I think probably Hochul. Hochul, Just from start to finish, just nonstop, (laughs) one long, ongoing boo. Yeah, yeah. Well, she is the governor of New York, so it's more personal. Yeah, I guess. Biden to Philadelphia. But Phil- Philadelphia is just notoriously known for having uh, complete haters. Oh, the, they booed Mike Schmidt. <laughs> He's the <laughs> Phillies third baseman. The great, he, they booed Santa Claus. Yeah, it's classic. And, of course, they all clapped when Michael Irvin, Cowboy Eagles, big game, Michael Irvin laid motionless on the turf. And there was initially some fear. God forbid he's paralyzed. And the Eagle fans are celebrating like it's 1999. And, and, of course, the, the, the topper is, as I said yesterday, they had a jail in their stadium. So you need to know. A jail in the basement of the stadium. Yeah, it's like more like a holding room. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Pete Morgan, Gordon Faithful are the best. And Pete's one of those guys. Pete's a diehard New York Ranger fan. Okay, Bo Deedle is coming up at 740. The great actor, Sopranos and Blue Bloods, and a Bernie McGurk favorite, Steve Sharippa, Coming up at 8.40, Cara Castronova, Wise Guys on Newsmax, running for local office. She's coming up at 9.05. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I think we have eight homicides this year, two more than, than last year. Uh, uh, you, you you can't tie all of them to people with emotional issues. Yes, uh, you can. Some of them are violent people, criminals, uh, that we must continue to uh, make sure we have the police present, the proper deployment, uh, to do our job in law enforcement, which we have. You know, everyone knows, you know, I quote it often, uh, the number of firearms we've removed from the, from the streets uh, and our action plan on the subway system. My goal is to continue to enhance that because I said it over and over again. We're dealing with actual crimes, those eight 
uh, homicides, and we're dealing with the perception of fear that people are feeling. That's the combination. And I must deal with that perception and the actual crime. perception nonsense i'm trying to like him i am but it ain't perception it's reality it's not just violent crime that makes subway rides terrifying for most new yorkers it's a bevy of things it is not a perception it is a reality and if you continue to treat it as a quote-unquote perception then bad things are going to continue to happen and again at the risk of repetition 67 percent of murders committed in the subways have nothing to do with a gun. Nothing. Anyway, he's on 740 every Tuesday morning, spent the better part of three decades as one of New York's best cops ever. That's not hyperbole. That's the truth. Gone on to become an unbelievable actor, whether it's Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, Godfather of Harlem, or Gravesend. He's great, and most importantly, for about 30 years now, dear friend of both me and my departed friend Bernard, here he is, the great Bo Deedle. Good Tuesday morning, Bo. How are you, pal? Okay, Sid. Um, I'm glad we're doing this memorial next week for Bernie. Yep. It makes me feel very, very good. You know I'll be there, and I'm Boys. sure it's going to be full of people that love Bernie. And Bernie will never get out of our hearts and our minds, and, and that's that. I just feel as though we lost half of our body when we lost Bernie. And, uh, you know, so it's there every day. But, uh, you know, we got to move on in his memory that we got to keep on fighting for Bernie, for what he fought for and what he believed in. And one of the biggest things is I'm so happy about the, you know, honoring the guys in blue the following Friday, whenever it's going to be. That's going to be actually two weeks from this Friday. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, October the 28th, WABC backs the blue. And by the way, that's uh, honoring you because you were a great cop. Eh, you know what? It's honoring the guys that are putting up with the crap that's on the streets. So last night, I was at the rap party for the Godfather Harlem in Brooklyn. And, and who do you think was there? I saw this little guy, uh, and I walked over, and I said, who's that guy? He was dressed with dungarees and whatever, a sweatshirt. I don't even know who he was. I thought he was maybe going to take my car and check the car. <laughs> and it was it was a guy named Carl Hasty, the speaker of these New York What? What was he doing at, at a at a TV show rap? Well, well, he was there, and I walked over, and I was very cordial, and I was very cordial when I walked over, and all of a sudden I extended my hand as a cordial person. I shook his fish hand, and I said, uh, "How you doing, Mister Speaker?" He looked at me. He wasn't very happy to see me. I think he knows <laughs> the way I feel about him, and you know, flashes in my mind. Went through, and I'll just say it flashes in my mind. And this is New York with no bail, and just flashes in my mind went by. You know what? One tough cop, 
does something with Mr. Carl Hasty. I tell you what, <laughs> this is the person who's most responsible for our young people being murdered on our streets and no one paying the price for it. And in reality, it's like a joke. I mean, you got these oversized uh, women dressed in these green outfits, stretch outfits, eating young girls and robbing them on the subway. Now it's become a friggin' joke. Let's dress up like green goblins with these stretch suits on and let's beat up some girls and rob them in the subway. As far as the, the guns go, I've been talking about the gun issue and about talking about, and I'm still in talks with some very high ups in the city, uh, in the city government about charging these convicted felons who have an illegal gun on them with the felony charges that are on the book where we can charge them through the Southern and Eastern District on federal crimes that are there. We can't think about guns. We can't think about people killing people. We have to put these people, these criminal people away. What, what are we talking about? Then when you get this Governor Hochul Snaggletooth, uh, Empress Ming again, <laughs> all of a sudden she's talking about catalytic conversion. I mean, you got you to help me with that. I, I played those cuts from her five times this morning. She did a whole press conference yesterday and spent a lot of time talking about people stealing catalytic converters. And look, that's not fun if you're caught as an up when I get it. But Bo, with the serious issues with crime this city, this state is facing, she's got to be kidding, no? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? And people, the, the people who watch TV, watch sports, watch everything, she's got about $46 million of funds that she's gotten from developers, land developers. Everybody is lined up now to give her tons of money, pay for play, pay for every ad on TV is about, oh, Zeldin, if you get raped or you're, uh, you're raped or whatever, you can't get an abortion. Zeldin cleared this whole issue up. He will not change anything. This is off the board, but yet, these TV commercials continue on and on. Why isn't this fool Hochul talking about the main issues, the main issue of crime, the corruption of this governor? The board is over 4 million illegals coming in to our country and our state over the last two years. Inflation. Now we're going to have 7% interest rates. Everyone that can't make their ends meet. Why aren't we talking about we need Lee Zeldin. And one of the things I tell people, look, right now I know I'm going to vote. You're going to vote for the right thing. But there are people out there that watch these commercials and believe the crap that this, uh, that this moron uh, Hochul's putting on TV. Here's what you have to do, including your relatives that are in depth Democrat liberals. we got to say like this, and this is what I say, Sid, ask them, what if their daughter – or son becomes a victim of a violent crime. And then you realize, wow, if I would have voted for Lee Zeldin, my loved one would be here today. My loved one wouldn't have been you know, violated. You know, it's funny you say that. And isn't it, Bo, unfortunate that you have to make it personal because you're right. You're a thousand percent right. Until it becomes personal, you tend to be idealistic, you don't worry. Isn't it a shame we have to make it personal for somebody, for them to realize the pain, bow that somebody else may be going through? Well, this is such an important point. Right now, everyone says, oh, Zeldin's 
this, Zeldin's that, Zeldin. First of all, the abortion issue is off the board completely. He clarified that. But yet, that is the only thing Snaggletooth Hulkle can talk about <laughs> because he can't talk about anything else. And in reality, this is what they're blinding the people with. And there's no talking to some of these people until until they become a damn victim or their loved one becomes a victim. And then, you know, I'm going to tell them when they call Bo up to help them, I'm going to say, who did you vote for? And if if, if she's still in office, I'll say, well, if you voted for Hulkam, don't call me. Call Hulkam. <laughs> and that's the point. I think this is the biggest point that we can put out to all our listeners. Don't just vote for Lee Zeldin. Pick up the phone. Let's bring on board people with an intelligent value about what we're really, really facing. And she's just rolling. I mean, Hulkle's standing there. Whatever you want to give her, whatever you want to be done, you just give her money. And it's, I mean, it's such a corruption factor that is, it's killing me. And again, again, our problems are not perception. Our problem is fear. And the fear is out there when we're talking about Seven or eight people killed on our subway. Okay, so we'll stop you right there because you used the word perception, yeah. and I played the cut from yeah. Mayor Eric Adams, who keeps using that word. He used it six, seven months ago, too, the perception of crime on the subway. He needs to stop using that word. You're saying the same thing right now. I know you talked mm-hmm. to Eric. Tell him that. No, it's it's not a perception. It's, it's, it's fear. Fear is a word. Let's start using the fear because... People fear. I talk to people every day. My two sons travel. My daughter travels in the city. I have, I'll say it, I have fear. I carry a nine millimeter. They don't carry a nine millimeter. And then with this law that came out, if you're a licensed gun keeper, you can't bring it into Times Square. That's where I need it. Or you can't bring it on you can't bring it on a train or a bus. It's ludicrous and ridiculous. And I mean, let, let's just be repetitive right now and repeat what I just said. Please, everyone listening out there, we need everyone to call other people to realize this is our final draw right now. And if she gets reelected this fool, then morons like Carl Hasty there and and, and and cousins, they can control everything. They have a super majority in this state. They can push through anything they want to do. Right now we have to change that perception. Let's use that word perception. Let's change these 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 people that don't want law and order, don't want people to feel safe. Because you know what's gonna happen, Sid? everybody's going and as it stands right now right now we have people bailing out of this city right and left real estate's going to go down 20 percent at least people don't realize if we don't fix the perception whatever word you want to use perception i use fear because that's what's going on in the streets we have a fear problem traveling on the subway it's like oh my god you're going to go on to the subway you got to hold your breath until you get off the next stop. Don't stand near the tracks because you're going to get pushed onto the tracks. And again, the mentally ill, you hit upon it. The mentally ill are a big problem. But my big thing is the repetitive felons that are continuously being released after committing violent crimes, illegal handguns. Legal handguns are not killing people. Illegal handguns are killing people. So let's stop the crap. What an amazing appearance once again by the great Bodino folks. That's why you folks love them. 740 every Tuesday. The voice of every New Yorker. 
That's how I would describe Bo Deedle, the voice of every New Yorker. Yes, he's a big deal, big-time actor, got his Rayo's table, was a big-time cop. But I'm telling you, folks, he is as blue-collar and everyday New Yorker as it gets, and he cares. So pay heed to what Bo Deedle just said. And if you're sick and tired of what's going on in this city, in this state, and in this country, the good news is you can make a difference three weeks from today. How do you do it? Vote Republican. Next hour, Dr. Mark Siegel, Lydia Reports, and the great actor Steve Sharippa, all right here on the Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. this song enjoy the silence to pesh mode quickly before i get to dr mark siegel you know gop lawmakers are calling for oversight into the biden family and there'll be an impeachment somewhere down the road and now there's more documents of course that prove what miranda divine has said for a long time my friend miranda should join us next week and bubulinski and the rest of these folks that the big guy was in fact joe biden and all these crooked business deals that hunter biden made with all these countries where he made millions and millions of dollars, did not stop with Hunter or his uncle, Biden's brother, that the president did, in fact, without any question, make money. And more importantly, he knew all about it. This despite the fact that he has said time and time again, I know nothing about Hunter's business dealings. He's made that point time and time again. He's lied. I know it. You know it. GOP lawmakers know it. And by the way, I've got the proof right here. Bernie and I have played this time and time again. Let's take you back to months and months ago when Joe Biden left his son Hunter a voicemail, which flat out says, I know what's going on, kid. Don't worry about it. Looks like you're going to be okay. If you've never heard it and you really believe that Joe Biden is innocent. <laughs> Take a listen to this. Palestine, it's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Not, nothing urgent. Just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, it's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. Really? I think it's clear. Clear. And, uh, 
Anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. Now, I love you. very nice. Don't get me wrong. I love my son, too. But he knows nothing about it. But the article that he read about it was good. And it looks like you're in the clear. Joe Biden's a liar. GOP lawmakers know it. And we're going to get him. We're going to get him when we win everything three weeks from today. All right. One of the guys we have not brought on since we lost our beloved Bernard is a guy that Bernie really liked and a guy that I've become very, very friendly with over the last year. Thanks to John Katzmatidis, really. He's one of the stars on Fox News, a great doctor here in New York City, and a diehard Nick and Met fan, my dear friend, Dr. Mark Siegel. Dr. Mark, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, and I, and I want to take the opportunity to mourn the loss of Bernie, an incredible personality and person and heart. So great. thanks for having me back. Um, well, you know, I, I felt like I had to have you today because, you know, you and I talked often throughout Bernie's courageous battle. And it was, uh, you know, we often say that about people who go through a horrible sickness. Sometimes we tend to exaggerate, not with Bernie. This guy would would try to come to work, and there were days he sounded awful. But that's not the point. He would still get up and do his job, and and he just he tried his very, very best. He really did to be that guy every day, be the father, be the, be the son, be the husband, be Sid's co-host. And eventually, he lost that courageous battle. But there was a lesson to be learned here, Dr. Mark, and that is he found out years ago, years ago, that he had a very, very high PSA count, and my beloved Bernie did nothing about it, and he went in 10 months. So he is not going to die in vain because I can tell you, Dr. Mark, that a ton of people who listen to this show since Bernie's death have gone for PSA tests. And I agree with everything you just said. The PSA test is hugely important, and the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force did it a big disservice few years ago by knocking it, but we use it every single day to determine who's at risk of a prostate cancer. And Bernie, the other point you made, his courage, I'd say the new generations need to learn from that. You know, this is the generation of working remotely, isn't it? So how about that Bernie coming in sick as a dog to work, keeping keeping his focus? And that's what our young people need to learn. So, uh you know, deeply, I know how close you were to him, Sid, yeah. and how much he thought of you. So, yeah, really sorry to lose him. No, I know you are. And I tell you, this dates all the way back to the pandemic. I, I just did an interview yesterday with a guy named Mark Healy. And um, he's the editor and writer for a paper in Rockaway. It's called The Wave. And he said, Sid, I got to tell you, I dated all the way back to the pandemic. When Talking about remotely, Mark, everybody I knew worked from home. Everybody. Not you guys. You were on the train, Sid. Bernie drove in every day. And we were there at Madison Square Garden, Penn Station, across the street from criminals on barren streets in New York City. Bernie and Sid came to work. So even before Bernie got cancer and died, he displayed a tremendous amount of courage and heroism and, along with me, helped a ton of New Yorkers during the pandemic. And that's really, really true and, and, and needs to be part of his memory. By the way... Uh, Sid, on a lighter note, I think this explains why you bulked up. I thought it was that you were becoming a movie star, but apparently you were protecting Bernie and others in New York City. So there's still the rats running around. That's harder to protect you from. I know. I don't miss that. I used to 
live on 105th in West End. Dr. Mark and I would do a two-block walk to 103rd in Broadway to go to the station at 4 o'clock in the morning, and there was a 100 rats every morning. And I lived in a nice area. 100 rats every morning, disgusting and unhealthy. But getting back to the pandemic for a second, is it over? I saw you on Fox News this morning, and you were still having pandemic conversations, COVID conversations. Where are we with that? Well, I was talking this morning, Sid, about this craziness that Boston University is busy manipulating the virus and using an old version, which was more deadly, and combining it to the latest version, which is milder but spreads more easily, coming up with a Frankenstein virus that can slip out of a lab like thousands of other lab errors and actually infect people. I mean, somehow we haven't learned that lesson. So that's what I was talking about this morning. Where we're heading this winter is we may have an outbreak, but again, it tends to be milder. I think there's a lot of immunity out there. I think it's time we stop the, the melodrama. I'm waiting for the Democrats to get up on a on a podium and say, mandate, mandate, and that's where they lost the public. So I think that the le- there's a lot of lessons to be learned, and one is that mandates don't work, and you know that tools work, but not mandates. And I, I said yesterday also, and I've been saying, and it's becoming a theme for me, that doctors have to get back where they used to be in the central place of talking to patients. We've been marginalized by politicians, and we have to be the ones that have the conversation with patients about what they should do. You know, is this a bad flu season? Should you get a flu shot? As as just ask me, is COVID coming back? What do you do about it? I just told you, you have to live with it. So doctors are the ones that have to have the voices here. Agreed. You know, we used to uh, talk a lot to Dr. Nicole Sapphire. She's a good friend of mine, too. And we would try to get Nicole, because we're bad people, you know, me and Bernie. We tried to get Nicole to say bad things about Anthony Fauci. She never would. As far as I'm concerned, Anthony Fauci, who I liked at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually did. I liked him, local guy, basketball player. Breen liked him. He was helping us get through this. It turns out he was a liar, that he actually made money through this. He lied about the masks. He lied about the laboratories. He lied about just about everything. I'm not sure if you caught him with Jonathan Carl, Dr. Mark, on Channel 7 on Sunday. But when he was asked to take accountability for any of it, he refused to do so. He had some excuse for just about everything. To me, Anthony Fauci killed more people than Andrew Cuomo. What are your thoughts on Anthony Fauci? Well, I don't. I see it a little differently. I'm more closer to Nicole on this. I think that the biggest thing about Tony, and this is not a negative. Oh, is not a oh, wait a second! You just called him Tony. You guys are friends. So here, no, no. <laughs> sit, sit, listen, listen, listen. This is this is important. He, he's too dogmatic. So in other words, he he rolled out this lockdown theory, and to your point, it led to all of these closures, tremendous repercussions, tremendous mental health problems as a result, substance abuse, loss of job, economic disaster, socialization problems. So he says he's not responsible for the schools closing, and he actually came on my radio show last July and said he didn't want the schools closed. But by then, we had a philosophy of constriction a philosophy of closure. So he participated heavily in that. So my biggest criticism of Dr. Fauci is not being flexible enough as the science evolved. And that's not a a positive. I think he's really smart. I think he's a great scientist. I think his rigidity hurt us big time in the pandemic. So, okay. So you're basically saying the same thing I am, but you're a doctor and smarter. I'm still a Brooklyn kid at heart and I tend to be more vicious But even in your (laughs) attempt here to defend Tony, because he's your friend Tony, you agree that he he, he lied. He just, he lied. He, you know, he lied. 
He, you know, think- you know, you know, we made money, and uh, that laboratory where this uh, virus actually escaped from. He knew that way back when. You know that, right? Well, and he underreacted to that, and that's something I talked about this morning, about how there's an international consortium of scientists that the NIH endorses that plays around with viruses. As John Stewart said, hello, Wuhan lab, Wuhan virus? <laughs> hmm, hmm, how? wonder what the connection might be. By the way, speaking of crafty lefties, you remember that from when you were a kid, Sid? Crafty lefties. What about Nestor Cortez with the Yankees? What do you think of him? Crafty lefty with a cutter. What do you think? Uh, listen, he's had a great year. I mean, the, the guy jumped around the majors. He was a nobody. No one would have ever thought in a million years, you know, in March, that he would line up behind Garrett Cole as the Yankees' second-best pitcher. At times this year, their best pitcher. So the Yankees are in good hands with Nestor later on this afternoon, and we'll see. I mean, the problem is if they win today, and I do think they'll win today, they're not getting past Houston anyway. So... Padres, Astros, or Phillies, Astros, that looks like the World Series. Talking about the Phillies, you did a report not that long ago on Fox News about Philadelphia Philly baseball players, and actually it's relevant now today because they may play in the World Series, that were dying of cancer playing in and around that stadium in Philadelphia. Any updates on that? No, and we're still looking into that, but it looks like the problem is more than just that. And, and it has to do with, and you and I have talked about this, it, it, uh, you know, you said, and you're right, that it was on a swamp, that it's on an area where a lot of chemicals are. And, which, which and, by the way, was the same exact thing with Giant Stadium and a bunch of Giant players from Dan Lloyd, Doug Kodar, he actually died, Spider Lockhart, a bunch of those guys ended up getting cancer who played football in East Rutherford. And I think that's the answer. I think you convinced me. I was thinking radar guns, you know, the old radar gun or, you know, what was going on in the bullpen or exposed pipes. I think it's the swamp. I think you convinced me on that. I think you'd be a pretty good scientist, by the way. I don't know about that. Uh, Well, tell me about the last thing that we talked an awful lot about, even with Bernard, that all of a sudden has disappeared, and that is the monkeypox. Is that still an issue in New York today? Much less because of a very strange thing, which is that, it was all due to the idea of multiple sex partners, uh, you know, gay men, men who are having sex with men. They, they were out, you know, at, at, at events having having sex with multiple partners. They got the memo. Stop doing that. <laughs> and they got the memo. Stop doing that. So the dating services, the online stuff, all of that kind of got closed down. No I think kidding. the haunting memory of HIV yes. actually came to bear here. Oh, wow. You're exactly right about that because the same thing happened. You're right in the 80s. With, with HIV. So on the way out, Dr. Mark Siegel, and I mean this sincerely, you really became one of Bernie's favorite guests. He, he loved the fact that you're very bright, but he liked when you and I got into it about the Knicks and the Mets, and uh, even occasionally you would talk about cancer with him. So his family is probably listening, and if not that, at least for listeners out there, what is the message in the, the loss of, uh, of Bernard? Well, first of all, you already got it. I think what he likes about me is that the same thing he likes about you and himself, which is we make people laugh. Humor is the cure. Humor and laughter are the cure. And, Bernie, I have to tell you, up there in heaven, I'm sorry I can't take you to Keene Steakhouse this year, as I promised you on the Knicks. I'll have to settle for Sid. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's that's very, very sweet. And uh, for for folks out there that uh, are dilly-dallying and procrastinating and not doing what they should do, it's fair to say that Bernard did not die in vain, that at least pay attention to what Bernie didn't do, and that may save your life, right? 
Absolutely. Get your PSA. See your physician. Get your workup, by the way. Get it all at once. It's like a supermarket. You get your PSA. You get your prostate exam. You get your EKG. You get your labs done. Have a doctor examine you. Go in for that checkup that you've been putting off because of the pandemic. It's over the pandemic. Get your checkup. All right, Dr. Mark Siegel, the uh, Bernie loved you. I love you. We start our season tomorrow night, the Knicks in Memphis against the Grizzlies. So hopefully one of these uh, upcoming days, me, you, and Gabe at Madison Square Garden. I love you, pal. Very soon, and Gabe loves it. So I'll be, I'll be, we'll, be, we'll be doing that very soon, Sid. Come Thanks. Up. All right, there he is, folks, Dr. Mark Siegel. Bernie loved him. I love him, too. He's a terrific guest. Thank you for that, Dr. Mark. Still to come this hour, Lydia Serrani. She's always great. Lydia reports. And then... One of Bernie and Sid's favorites, a.k.a. Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos. Also a huge star now on Blue Bloods. Really a terrific guy, Steve Sharippa. All this hour, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, Depeche Mode. Enjoy the silence. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. The Dow Jones Industrials back above 30,000 after a 550-point rally yesterday. Big bank earnings and technology stocks leading the way. Netflix reports its earnings for the third quarter today. The company announcing its ad-supported subscription tier comes out next month, a cheaper way to entice users to come back to the struggling streamer. Netflix forecasting a million users added last quarter, which would make up for losses earlier this year. Johnson & Johnson forecast to beat Wall Street targets. COVID-19 vaccine sales expected to have risen for a second straight quarter. The October housing market index will be released today. Homebuilder confidence forecast to have declined for a tenth consecutive month. And September's reading on that index hit a new two-year low. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Sid, I just sent you a video of a girl. Did you take? Did you happen to take a look at it? Is this the Mercedes video that you sent me? Right. And I want to describe it for our audience. You could also see it on my Twitter at Lydia News, L-I-D-I-A-N-E-W-S. And it's a overweight girl putting on makeup. And she's not just like slightly overweight. She's she's morbidly obese. She's unhealthy. She's like on the border of Lizzo right there. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Tr- I mean, I have overweight people in my I, I mean, whatever. I could be overweight someday. But can somebody explain to me, maybe you can explain this Sid, to me. Why is this this girl putting makeup on, showing her that she's overweight, a car commercial for Mercedes-Benz? Let's take a listen to it first. It's like 15 seconds. I am Mercedes, and my confidence is my power. I feel most confident when I'm on stage. I don't think I've been more comfortable doing anything in my life. I will use my voice, and I'm going to shine. You know, it's a tough, I'm going to be honest here. It's a it's a, a thin line here. You know, when, when young girls went for modeling, She's for example. Yeah. When young girls went for modeling, for example, they made these girls starve. They were so thin that they were dangerously unhealthy. 
So we want to get away from that, right? And we want of girls course. and men to feel good about themselves regardless, right? We don't want to body shame people. I get all of that. So yes. if you're out there, you're a bit overweight and you love yourself, that's a good thing. But I know where you're going with this. The point is, why are we celebrating somebody who is so obese that it becomes a very unhealthy issue? We are the fattest country in the world. Most people who died from AIDS and heart disease and these, uh, excuse me, uh, COVID heart disease, it's because of fat. So it's, it, it's, it's hard to, to, to really pick a side here. Are we, are we helping somebody get through the day regardless of what they look like, or are we celebrating somebody who, quite frankly, needs help? It's a very good question. I think putting somebody who's obese in an ad and celebrating it is the same thing as putting in somebody who is anorexic. Both ends of the spectrum are unhealthy. You can die if you're anorexic, if you're too skinny, you can have heart problems and the list, you can die from it. And obesity, a new study just came out that says that more and more people under the age of 50 are getting cancer and it's because of our diet, it's because of lack of exercise. And this again is Mercedes Benz trying to yeah. be cool, trying to be a part of the movement. And they're showing this girl who's overweight and it's unhealthy. Wow, yeah. What is wrong? I, I mean, I'm five foot ten, so I'm tall. And growing up when I was really skinny, people would say to me, oh, you should model. You should model. You should model. And I got asked to whatever. But it's like. I knew like, but then they would say to me, your hips are wide because I actually have hips and because they want you to be like a walking hanger, yeah. you know, you know how it is. They want you to be a walking I, hanger. I, I, I don't so like why that. is Mercedes Benz? How is showing this overweight girl putting yeah, on I, makeup and wearing yeah, a silk dress? I, I don't know. Want, want me to drive a, a, a Mercedes <laughs> Look, like that. I, I, show me the features of the car. Show me heated car seats. Show me a, 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 a whatever the moon the the window up on top. Right, I mean, right. show me like some cool features of the car. Now we're just sh all it is. They don't even show the car. They just show this girl. So no, this listen, is you, you're making, Ben's gone woke. You're, you're, they went woke. They've gone woke, and you're making great points. You have to understand. For years, I've been called shallow Sid. Because there is nobody on radio, even Bernard used to laugh all the time, there is nobody who talks more about physical appearance than me. It makes my wife mad. It makes my daughter mad. Bernard would laugh about it. I'm like, this fat person, this blah, this blah, and I'm still that way. But I'm trying I'm trying to evolve into somebody a little more apathetic. So I believe that skinny people, fat people deserve to be happy too. But you know Absolutely. the real but you know and the real Sid. Too. But you know the real Sid don't want to see no fat lady in any commercial anytime ever. They put them now in like underwear commercials. They got ladies who are like two hundred and fifty pounds wearing panties. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Sid. But again, it's unhealthy. Go to any doctor. Ob it's obesity is horrible for you. It is. It's not healthy, so we should not be celebrating it, telling kids to go to McDonald's and all these things. I just don't understand it. Show me the features of the car. We'll talk about so many other topics tonight, 5 o'clock, Cats at Night, John Katz Matiti Show. You don't want to miss it. Things get a little spicy sometimes, but it's all part of the show. We stand for truth, justice, and the American way. What a great job. Lydia, really, you, you've, um, you've been tremendous on this show. Tremendous. Um, I mean, you're just saying that because, like, I'm a size 4. 
Well, that's true. If you were fat, I wouldn't want to talk to you. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a, actually a six now. I gained some weight. There's a new picture of you on the video screen here, and you're, it looks like you're standing in front of the Empire State Building. It's a very nice picture. Uh, dressed in pink. You look thin. You look beautiful. Here I go again. So, I was, uh, like, almost too skinny in that picture. I don't know. Like, I'm so, I'm so self-conscious with pictures. I know. It's weird, right? You love having pictures taken of yourself. I hate having my picture taken. I feel so awkward. It's just, ugh, I hate yeah. it. No, you so look that's why at, I'm pretty you, good at selfies. Well, you look good that picture but i do love it because i'm very i'm very photographic and i'm very handsome uh thank you lydia check check out check out lydia on twitter at lydia news instagram at lydia news one and she does do a terrific job alongside john katz and matidi's cats at night 5 p.m every weekday afternoon on the red apple podcast network Over the years, I've gotten very, very, very close with a ton of the Sopranos actors. Really, most of that was due to Mike Sullivan, my dear friend Mike Sullivan. All of them, especially Tony Sirico and Steve Sharippa and those guys. But uh, Bernard was always very close with Sharippa back to the Imus days when Stevie was Bobby Bacala. For his uh, days on Blue Bloods, where, by the way, he's brilliant as Anthony. Brilliant. But he was great as uh, Bobby Bacala on The Sopranos, and Bernie would book him for the I'm a Show, and he was writing cookbooks back then, you remember, doing movies, all that good stuff. And over the years, Bernie and Tripper remained very, very friendly, like me and Steve have. And um, since Bernie died, I'm trying to bring on everybody, politicians, athletes, even Walt Frazier may join us tomorrow before the Knicks and Grizzlies. Everybody that loved Bernie and Bernie loved along the way, and Steve Sharippa, Definitely belongs in that category. Bernie loved him. I love him. And I know Steve loved Bernie. With that said, here he is, tremendous actor and dear friend, Steve Sharippa. Stevie, good uh, Tuesday morning. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, shit. How are you, pal? Yeah, it's I'm doing okay. Yeah, I, you know, I was working. I've been filming. You know, we're doing Blue Bloods out there teach season. So I was working all uh, last week when uh, with the – Bernie's wake and the funeral. I would have loved to go out there and pay my respects. Uh, you know, I like Bernie so much because you know what? He didn't give a crap who you were. If he liked you, he liked you. You know, he 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 could care less. Like he was not by by all the guests that came on I Miss and your show. I mean, Bernie could care less if he liked you. He thought you had something to say. He thought you were funny. You know, then he liked you, you know, yeah. which I'm very similar in that way. I don't care who you are, big star, little star, it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, he was a really, really smart guy. And I, I don't think until he got out of I Miss His Shadow there, you know, because I don't know if people know, and then nothing against Don Imus, who was great to me, but Bernie was feeding him all those funny lines for all those years. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was Bernie. 
You know, uh, he was in the studio, then he was somewhere else. I don't know, man, right? He had him in another building somewhere. Well, he was in his ranch in New Mexico, and Bernie on the TV screen would write all the questions for the interviews. All those great Imus Sharifa interviews, guess who wrote the questions? Bernie. Absolutely. So, you know, I got an Imus my first time uh, with with my first book. So I think it was like 2002 and it went well and he liked me and I got on to the publicist. And then after that, I would just, you know, call Bernie or text Bernie. Hey, Bernie, I like to come on blah, blah, blah. And it was him that I went through. I didn't go through the booker, your your usual way to get on a TV, you know, on a show, you know, the producer, the booker, the publicist, I would just call Bernie. He said, whatever you want to come on, what do you want to talk about? And then he would, you know, he said, you know, I don't know if Imus is going to say it, but, you know, Bernie gave all the questions, you know. <laughs> I'll I tell you a funny story. So, so Pat Cooper, one of the worst people to walk the face of the earth. <laughs> I remember this. You and Listen Cooper, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the worst people to this day, really, a lying, bully, piece of garbage of a human being. Okay. So... <laughs> I'm in Vegas, living in Vegas at the time, right? Uh, we were in the off season, and I get the phone rings. I got the cell phone. I guess in those days I kept it on. It's like uh, 5.30 in the morning there, and it's Bertie. He said, Pat Cooper's ripping you apart on the show. I don't remember this. You want to come on a rebuttal? And I went, no, nah, not, not now, Bertie, man. I was sleeping, you know. I probably was out the night before. So, uh you know, I get back to New York, and uh, I call Bernie. I said, I'd like to come on. And I come on, Imus, and Imus asked me, what well, explain. And I told them all the lies that Pat Cooper said over the years. Because what it was was Pat Cooper worked for me in Vegas. He drew 601 people paid, and he lied and said there was, you know, a thousand people there, which it didn't even hold a thousand, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what the lie was. So he went around everywhere lying, 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 you know. So uh, I explained to him, and, and I'm not joking, because of Bernie and Imus, and especially Bernie, uh, Pat Cooper was never on the Imus show again. That's true. I remember they made a conscious decision. That's he's right. messing with Steve Sharippa. He's out. And Cooper. That's right. And, and, he was, was and, he, and, he, and he was a pretty big comedian back then, too. He was pretty big. Ah, you know, he, listen, he was doing the same material. <laughs> uh, you, you, listen, 1963, he had a, 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 you know, an album out that a lot of Italians had, right? And then, so I'm listening to that because I got to cut a, cut a commercial. It's 1995. <laughs> Then I watched the show. It's the same exact material from 1963 to 1995. I mean, he made a conscious decision, as did Bo Deedle, too, because he screwed around with Bo Deedle, who's a great guy. Right? So, Bernie, I mean, and then when Bernie came with you and then he did other shows, I mean, he got out of I Miss a Shadow, and people saw how brilliant and how smart he was. And I was very happy about that, you know, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, we really lost a good guy here, you know. And then I love coming on your show, and Bernie was always a fan. And, uh, uh, you know, he watched Blue Bloods and The Sopranos. And he's always really uh, helped you, man. Not everybody – you know, you guys are good guys, but not every radio person is so helpful all the time. You know what I mean? You know, you guys would do your homework. You know what's going on. You know what to talk about. So, I mean, I – I was very happy about that people 
finally saw him in a different light, you know, because he wasn't just a sidekick anymore, you know what I mean? He was you guys were the stars of your own show. Well, let me you tell know? you this, uh, to your point, guess who else was very happy about that? Bernie. In fact, Bernie's got a dear friend named Brian Costello, uh, Steve Sharippa, and Costello walked up to meet the funeral, and he said, I got to tell you, Costello was a guy that drove Bernie back and forth to his chemotherapy treatment all the time. Uh-huh. They talked uh, quite a bit the last couple of months, and he said to Brian, he said, you know, what a crappy time for this to happen. He goes, I've never been happier in my whole life. I've got my own show with Sid. Sid and I are great together. We love each other. I'm one of the stars of the show. What a crappy time for this to happen. So not only were you happy about it, but so was Bernard. All those yeah, years on Imus, yeah. all that attention he got on Imus, he didn't appreciate that nearly as much as the last couple of years, to your point, when he became one of the stars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got, he's well-respected, well-respected guy. What else can you ask for, you know, in life? You know, as we get older, honestly, I mean, what could you ask for? You're respected by your peers. You're respected by the audience. You know, I mean, Bernie succeeded in that. You know, he was a good man, you know, a really good man. And it's a shame. And I'll, I'll never understand. You got animals in the street killing people, and they'll live to be 90. I mean, Charles <laughs> Manson lived to be in his 80s, yep. one of the most evil people ever. And then we, we lose someone like Bernie. And, 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 and you know, I, I I just never understand that. I mean, he, he was uh, – I mean, you know, he, he would – he would tell me this. I miss. Listen, I loved Imus. He was good to me. It, it, it's a good. He's. You know, at one point, if you had a book and you couldn't get on Oprah, the next spot was the Imus show. Yes. He pushed books. Yep. I was on twice during my first book when when uh, before like the scandal there and and uh, it became he helped it become a New York Times bestseller. You know, and that was because of Bernie and Imus. I mean, yep. Don Imus was good to me. I know he was wacky, you know, but he liked me. No, he liked you. Listen, <laughs> you know, he, he loved he that me. show. He, he used to you have know. Mike Francesa come on every Monday morning, Steve, and yeah. do a Sopranos recap. He loved you guys. He liked that show. By the way, uh, you talked about missing the wake and the funeral last week. It's a good time for me to, to say this. We are having a special mass next Wednesday, a week from tomorrow, is actually Bernie's birthday, October the 26th. And we're having a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. The public is invited. It's from 10 a.m. to noon on his birthday, a week from tomorrow, Wednesday the 26th. And, of course, Stevie, uh, you, as much as anybody, we'd love to have you there because Bernie did love you. But he did love that show, and so did I, Miss. And me losing Bernie, I got to equate it, if I can, to what you went through and some of the other major cast members when you guys lost Jimmy Gandolfini years sure, ago. Sure, sure. Right? Sure. Right? It was very, very difficult. Uh, you know, you don't think about, you know, you don't think about that. I mean, I, I never thought about that, you know, especially, you know, Jim uh, was such a big guy and, and, and like, you know, fearless guy. I mean, it, I mean, it took us for a loop, man. You know, I mean, here's all these TV tough guys crying. I mean, I remember I was just flat out devastated, you know, for yeah. for, for days I didn't leave the apartment. I mean, it was uh, terrible. And, and and losing Bernie is terrible. And yeah. and like you said, I mean, he's happy and he's was doing well. And then it gets, uh, you know, this is how it goes. It's unfortunate, you know, but uh, I'll tell you what, good Steve, memories. But- Got yep. to think of the good stuff, yep. good memories, a lot, a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs, a lot of good memories, you know. Uh, so that's how 
that's that's the only thing that we can think about, right? You no, know? I agree. No, I agree. And you know, you get older, Steve, and you know, you're talking a lot about Imus and Bernie during this conversation, and they're both gone, by the way. I mentioned Jimmy Gandolfini. You lost Tony Sirico this year. So the older you get, the good news is you start to see your kids grow up, maybe your grandchildren. You start to enjoy great success, and life is good. But the older you get, Steve, you start to realize you start to lose a lot of your friends. Absolutely. Listen, and I, it sounds insane, and I don't know if I'm the only guy, but I must have, and I'm not joking, in my phone, I must have 50, 60, 70 friends that have passed away that I don't take their numbers out of my phone. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Friends. I mean friends, friends, not acquaintances, friends. Uh, I, ha- I take people that annoyed me. I take them out of the phone, <laughs> but not the people that passed away. I take the creeps out of the phone. The guys that you know, they turn on you, yeah, they, they're out of the phone. But uh, honestly, I'm not, I'm not joking. I mean, I'm 65. Uh, and you see uh, a lot of good people. I guess that's, you know, part of it, part of life. I yeah. mean, it's the sad part of life yeah. that, you know, as you go along, the people that you cared about. I, I, I cared a lot about Bernie. And, uh, yeah, you did. You know, you, you did. Know. One more. Man. One thing on the way out, a positive note. So I uh, I called Breen yesterday. Breen has been tremendous throughout this whole process. And him and I spent a lot of time talking the last 10 days. He was also very close to Bernard. He's yes. getting ready to start the season tomorrow night in Memphis, the Knicks and Grizzlies. You're a big Knicks fan. And um, so I called Dan yesterday to uh, ask about Clyde. And Dan is like, hey, I heard Steve is coming on tomorrow. He loves you, Dan Schoenberg from the New York Knicks. Yeah, he's a good man. He's good a great man. guy. So you excited yeah. about are you excited about the Knicks new season tomorrow? Yeah, you know, I am very excited, but right now I gotta be honest, I'm in baseball mode. Oh, you got the I'm Yankees today. Right, right now. Yankees. I'm not even thinking yeah. I'm not thinking Knicks yet. I'm I'm thinking Yankees, man, you know. Are you gonna be in the Bronx today? Uh, it's a good possibility. I'm going to. You be need to be guy. there. Come on, you're Steve Sharipa, Yankee yeah, playoff team. Uh, I mean, you know, I go season by season. I can't get mixed up. You know what I mean? I'm in baseball. <laughs> it's like the end of basketball season. I'm in basketball mode, not right. baseball yet. I get so it. right now, we got uh, the Yankees. It's do or die time, as you know. Are you a Yankee fan? I'm a diehard Met fan. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah, I, no you know good. what? I went to two Met games this year. Uh, I went once with Dan, and then uh, they honored my father-in-law, which was a beautiful thing. They put him on the screen, and my oh, wow. wife and daughter went on the thing, and I had a great time. Wow. I don't hate the, I'm a Yankee fan that does not hate the Mets. Right. Uh, you can't hate anything in New York these days. You're missing New York. By the way, is your wife running the marathon next month? She is running the virtual marathon. She's out running right now. Yeah, she ah, ran 21 awesome. miles on Friday. <laughs> yeah, we're Incredible. not doing the New York one this year, but we're going to Tokyo in March, so then y'all can finish up the Abbott and get the other uh, six majors, but I always think about your wife because she's a terrific marathon runner yeah, as well. Yeah, this would be uh, number 11. Wow. You know, you, you know, she runs a virtual like where you make your own route, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. She's 11. Yeah. Sometimes, listen, I wake up about 9, 9.30. I get up. I, she's not here. I said, well, where I just ran 15 miles. <laughs> It's all I know. I'm I did the same thing. Drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go? To the store? No, oh I ran God. 15 miles. Hey, you know, talking about running, I remember when I used to live in Lower Manhattan years ago. So I've lived in the Upper West Side now. I'm in Queens, but I remember my son was a little boy, 
And I don't know how many times. It was often we would see you coming back from your morning walk. You'd be sweating. You were so yeah, great. But yeah, my so son, I Gabe, love loves you. I'll go, I'll go for an hour walk, you yeah. know, five times a week. I'll go, I'll go in a little bit. I'm on the Upper West Side now. Uh, you moved to Queens? I did. I moved uh, on the beach in the Rockaways, right oh, by the beach. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, don't know I, mean, so, uh, I don't I don't consider that Queens different. You know what it is? It's really Brooklyn, to be honest. I, I go to, what are I, you, in the Ponset? Oh, right there, yes, yes. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, I, yeah. My, one of my favorite places. One of my absolute places. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn. We used to go there all the time. That's when they had Bay 1 and 2, and there was a nude beach. We used to go walk around. They still have that, by the way. They do? <laughs> yeah. We used to walk around. We couldn't believe it. One day, a guy's running out of a surf. I'm not, this is a true story, right? Guy, the guy's calling my name. A guy's naked. Calling my name. Fully erect. Oh, come on. Fully That's... erect. Steve, Steve, I'm with a couple of guys from the neighborhood. I used to work with his father. The guy's come running on I swear oh, to come God. come on. Come on. See, to this day... They tease me about it. it is oh, God, that's great. That guy screaming, oh. big purple, big, big purple erection. Ah, Steve. Oh, <laughs> uh, you are one funny guy. I got to tell you, you are one funny guy. I, uh, I'm so happy you called in today because I love you, and Bernie really, really yeah, loved you. I love and Bernie, thank and, you. and, and I, I'll see you next week. If I'm not working, I will definitely be there. Thank and, you. Uh, I love you guys, and I thank love you. Bernie. I know it's hard. And just think of the good things. That's all we can do, man. Thank you, Stevie. You're a class A, so you really are. Thank you so much. Okay, you take care, Sid. That's the great Steve Sharippa, folks, right there. That was a funny conversation. He brought it big today, brought his A-game. Bobby Bacala from the Sopranos and Anthony in Blue Bloods. Bernie loved him, so do I. Stevie Sharippa. Still to come, Kara Kashanova and more. Another hour of your favorite talk show in New York and, quite frankly, your favorite talk show in the country. That's us, and we'll be back right at the- I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Tobacco's partner on Wise Guy, also partner in bed. Anyway, <laughs> did I just say that? She is a candidate for New York State Assembly, the uh, the 22nd District in Nassau County. Oh, my God, he said, try not to advertise right together. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I guess I blew that one. You see, you always have to read the whole text, Lewis. Sometimes you just read the Next beginning. The lesson. <laughs> well, that's the lesson funny. there. 
Whatever. She's um I've been on that show with her and Johnny a bunch of times. Once with Andrew Giuliani, once with that attorney Lou, I think his name is. I really liked him, by the way. It's a terrific show. John's a great American. And uh, she's great on TV, but I'm excited that she's running. She's actually uh, a lawyer, too, and uh, she has been spending a lot of days trying to help out these poor people that, you're not going to believe this, they're still in jail from January 6th. I'm not kidding. You got people right outside my window right now on 3rd Avenue. I'll grab somebody right now, and I promise you, they've got a rap sheet longer than Phil's arm, which include, I don't know, rape, molestation, robbery, firearm, all that. Catalytic converter. Right. Stealing. Thank you for that one. That's become a huge issue. Stealing. That should be the top of the list. (laughs) Yeah, according to Gavi Ogle, it is. And they're walking the streets, and these poor bastards riding in prisons are doing nothing but storming the Capitol. She's out there, uh, Kara, trying to help these folks. So she's the right candidate. Nassau County, District 22. Here she is, Kara Castronova. Kara, good morning. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Uh, welcome. To, I'm so excited to be talking to you again. And I, the last show, so many people on Long Island listened to, it, um, to your show. It's crazy. I got about, I'd say, at least 50 text messages when um, when I was on your show last time, which was so nice to know that you know people are listening to the radio and they love you so much. Well, thank you for that. Listen, uh, and, and Bruce Blakeman will tell you this. He's now the Nassau, Nassau County Executive. And, of course, he beat Laura Curran. Now, he ran a great campaign. He really did. And Curran was sided with, siding with Todd Kaminsky, which was a killer. But if you talk to Bruce Blakeman, if you talk to the new uh, DA there, it was also uh, Annie Donnelly, uh, they will be the first to tell you that uh, I was part of the reason why they all won. Because for some reason, like you said, this show was very popular in Nassau County. Bernie lived in Nassau County. So the fact that you're a really good friend and I'm endorsing you, uh, could really be what you need to get over the top. But besides me, putting me aside, you stand for everything right. So right off the bat, Kara, I know most people are worried about the bail reform and crime. You're going door to door. You're talking to Republicans. You're talking to Democrats. You're talking to independents. What are they saying to you? What's the biggest issue? Well, those are big issues. Obviously, everyone's very worried about crime, especially on the gateway to New York City, which is my district. Everyone's talking about crime. Everybody's frustrated with cost of living, inflation. And another thing a lot of people have been talking about, uh, parents especially, will always ask me, what do you think about the transgender uh, agenda in schools? And I will usually often get that from Democrats. So I kind of, you know, at first it would, you know, I would take a pause and try to evaluate the person and, you know, figure out the best way to answer it. But I'm figured out that everybody wants to hear the same thing, which is that I'm against it. Um, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, which they, everybody believes that you shouldn't be teaching kids about sex in kindergarten. And there's a bill in New York right now that is very, very heavily supported by Democrats. Um, it has, I think, over 60 co-signers on it that um, kids will will start to learn about sex in kindergarten. Uh, the state will probably be implementing the program. And I'm thinking the only thing you could possibly teach a kid about sex when they're in kindergarten is if they're male or female. So more than likely, they're going to be telling them that there's more than two genders. And mm. so many people are up in arms about this. Um, there's not a single person that's for this that I've met in my district, um, especially uh, some religious communities like the Orthodox, uh, Jewish communities. Also, the there's multiple, many, many religions. I'm very diverse in my communities over here, but there's a lot of Muslims, and I've been visiting mosques. 
and they're really ready to vote Republican for the first time this year, which is very interesting because I don't think that they ever have really voted as a block as Republican, but be just because they're so frustrated with what they're seeing in their schools and their kids coming home and talking about things that they never heard to talk about before, and then finding out about this bill that they're t- that the state is taking over, you know, the minds of their kids and teaching them sex in, in kindergarten, possibly, if this bill gets passed, Gross. they're up in arms about that. So they're ready to vote Republican. And there's another crazy bill that I wanted to tell you about this one where uh, it's in the health committee and my opponent is um, in the health committee. And she'll probably vote for it, which is kids could get medical procedures like transgender uh, hormone therapy uh, without asking their parents permission. So and then it goes so far as to say that they'll hide that um, from the parent, that they will actually <laughs> tamper with the medical bill. So the parent doesn't know they got an injection, oh that they are prescribed psychiatric drugs, that they're going to get um, some sort of puberty blocker. Uh, or, or hormonal change to their their body, which is very dangerous, as we all know, for a young child. So um, this is a bill they're actually trying to pass in New York State that I learned about through uh, actually people telling me about it um, that are in the assembly right now that I'm speaking with, and people have caught wind of this as well, and they're asking me about that a lot as well. God, what sick people. What is uh, the name of, of your competitor in this race who you're going to demolish come a couple of weeks? Well, the one I'm going to demolish, her name is Solages. Um, she is... Uh, been in for five terms. It's time for a change. Um, you know, she basically wrote votes down the line just with all the other Democrats for all the terrible things like cashless bail. Uh, she voted to get rid of the religious exemption for the vaccination in New York, even though she promised us she would not do that. She was the deciding vote that got it through the health committee. And um, she's really, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, and there's not a person that really likes her, uh, says that she does nothing for the community. She makes promise after promise. And, like, she literally, literally uh, says she's going to do certain things or come election time, like build a community center, do this and that for the community, get certain things fixed, um, get the streets cleaned up. Nothing she does ever comes to fruition. She just panders um, every two years and gets into office because she has a D near her name. So this year that's not going to happen. That's not enough. And uh, I'm running against her, and I'm going to be the one who takes her out because there's been five uh, we've run against her so far. Nobody's been able to do it, but they're saying if it's going to be any year, it's going to be this year, and I'm the person who's going to do it. You know, people categorize me, uh, Kara, as a conservative because I'm on WABC, because I worked all these years with Bernard, because I'm a Donald Trump supporter. And the truth is, that's not true. I happen to be pro-choice. I'm not pro-life. I'm pro-choice. And by the way, I am really adamant about being pro-choice. Now, now. I'm not okay with somebody being eight months pregnant, killing the child. That's murder. But I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-gay marriage. I'm pro all these things. But I'm also common sense. And it just seems to me like the Republicans exhibit more common sense than Democrats, especially with the two bills that you just talked about. And I think you're more like me. You know, you're not a strict conservative. I don't think you're pro-life. I think you're more like me. Is that fair to say? I am. And a lot of people ask me when I knock on the door, that's another huge thing people are asking about. And that was like, the, you know, that's I feel that what the Democrats were really banking on. And Lee Zeldin came out with that great video saying he's not going to try to stop abortion. I tell everybody I'm actually pro-choice. And when I say that, I mean, I want to give women more choices by providing funding, like writing a bill that will provide funding that will tell them about other options like adoption, like um, these programs that provide women with support groups with with um, with money or um, any type. They'll give them access to grants. 
to be a to be a young single mother because so many women in my district, you know, that get pregnant, they're young, they might not have a partner, they're really afraid. And um, I I never would vote to take away women's choice, but I would vote to be able to tell them about other choices because I do know some young women that were afraid, um, you know, to have a child on their own, and that's the reason that they had the abortion. But in hindsight, looking back, they wish they had known about other choices that they had. So I feel like just giving women access to more choices, and I've met with groups like this. They exist, but they're really underfunded and they're demonized to a certain extent that they'll help the women and they'll, they'll bring her along on, on a journey. And some of them will even, you know, introduce the women to other young women who are having children and they'll all become like a sort of support group and say, you're not alone. You have us. Um, there's a group called the sisters of life and they're the most beautiful nuns in New York city. Uh, people should check them out. If you ever know somebody that wants to have an abortion, refer them to the sisters of life, these amazing Catholic nuns in New York city that will take them from pregnancy and, um, take one of the kids as a godmother until, you know, until they're 18 years old and into the rest of their life. So there's wow. other choices out there besides abortion, and that's what I try to tell people. But you're, it's up to you to make an educated decision, and I would like a bill written that will give women more, um, you know, more educational uh, services on other ways that they could go about a pregnancy. Maybe they might decide not to terminate it, and that would be their choice. Kara Casanova running for Assembly District 22, Nassau County, I uh, happen to be a personal friend, so I'm a bit biased, but uh, certainly my choice. And you hear her speaking how bright she is, and she's on the right side of these things. What are you getting? What kind of feel are you getting out there, Cara? A couple of weeks away now from the big day, a polling, feeling. How does it feel uh, moving up to the big day? You feel like you got to win? Yeah, I feel I'm going to win, and it's so close. It's 20, I think 24 days. I'm counting down every day. Um, I think that Lee Zeldin's going to win. I think there's going to be a red wave. Um, I don't think I've met a single person that said uh, they're going to vote, um, you know, Democrat. I and I knock on many Democrat doors. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think we'll we'll find out. It's the most important thing that for anybody listening that wants, you know, the state to be restored to tell their friends to go out and vote red down the line this year, whether or not you know they voted red before. It's a different type of year. It's a common sense year. We need to restore New York State. It's not about right or blue. It's about right and wrong. And at this point in history, you know, one party rule has done us has done terrible things to New York State. We have to get some assembly people and some senators in there that can, uh, you know, counter the, the crazy Democrat agenda that's gone too far. We have to get uh, Lee Zeldin in there and a Republican governor in New York State and uh, some representatives to go to Congress, like Anthony Diaz-Fazito, for example, who's in my district. I like him. That yeah. Will yep. take, yeah, he's a great guy that will take great guy. back. Yep. We have to take back two houses, yep. you know, dis- uh, you know, get rid of the January 6th committee, get the nation back on the right track. So these are all the reasons why we need to get Republicans back in office and restore the state and the country, for yep. that matter, to, you, the, you know, to what we remember. You know, 60 seconds to go, Kara. You have quickly become the female version, you ready for this, of Jesse okay. Ventura. Let me tell you why. Jesse Ventura was a wrestler. Then he became a play-by-play voice for the Buccaneers in the National Football League. He went on to become governor of the state of Minnesota. was a Navy SEAL also, by the way. You, boxer, TV star on Wise Guys with Tobacco. Now you're going to win, become a politician. You are the pretty female version of Jesse Ventura. Congratulations. That's a compliment. He was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time and other many other things he's done. Well, <laughs> I loved him. He actually went um, from he actually went from Jesse the body as a wrestler to Jesse the mind as the governor of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. I respect him. Yeah, if anyone wants to follow me, please go to Cara for Assembly, C A R A for Assembly dot com and you know, contribute so we could push the last push of um 
media out there to get my name out there and to get everybody's name out there and all these issues that we spoke about to give people an incentive to get out of their house and vote or to take advantage of early voting because every single vote counts and their friends and family to bring them out as well. It's going to be a tight race, but we're going to pull it off and we need the people. We need every single person listening and just the people of New York State to come together as a collective and vote red this year so we can save our state. Excellent job, Kara. Wishing you the best of luck. I'm sure we'll talk one more time before your big day coming up in a couple of weeks. Best to uh, JT. Keep kicking ass out there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sid. Have a great day. You too. Kara Castronova, District 22 Assembly person in New York. Vote for her. And if you don't vote for her, Macedonia Phil is going to come to your house and do terrible things. He won't be able to find it, don't worry. <laughs> He barely finds the office every morning. He's never on time. Sometimes so. he doesn't. It's not find true. The I beat you here today. You did beat me here today. One day we walked in together. Remember, I was pulling up with Freddie. Yeah, it was yesterday. That was yesterday. Was that a big thrill for you? No, it was the worst day of my entire life. <laughs> I had to be in an elevator. It was 15 seconds. So that's, that's why I love the kid. It's way too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Vote for Kara Castanova. Coming up. We got another special guest coming into studio. Lots more to do. The Tuesday edition, as I always say, as my friend Pat O'Brien would say, rolls on. Do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So my son, Gabriel, who I'm very, very close with, obviously, you folks know that. Well, my, my, my daughter, Ava, too, but she's in Wales right now in college, and my beautiful wife, Daniel. My son, Gabriel, has already figured out at the age of 13 years old, in the eighth grade, he's already figured out what he wants to do for a living. And he talked about this on the air with me when he was here back in July, one of Bernie's last shows, by the way. And he said, I am doing cybersecurity. I got to tell you, a guy actually reached out to me who works in some cybersecurity place in Queens or somewhere, and he said, I'll give Gabe a job. Now, he can't do it because Gabe is only 13 years old, but there was this whole big deal about cybersecurity firms and Gabriel, my son. That's all he wants to do. And then I find out like two weeks ago, they come to me in sales and they go, hey, listen, 
We want you to do a spot for a cybersecurity firm. How do you feel about that? I go, do you listen to the show? I actually talk about that, and I don't know anything about it, okay? My son is, he, he sits in front of a server, and he could figure out anything, Gabriel. I know nothing about it. But how ironic is it that my only son, my angel, is dying to do this for a living. Now I'm doing spots for a big-time cybersecurity company. And sitting to my left is the man that founded that company. He's got 25 years' experience in this field. The founder and CEO of Protected Harbor, Richard Luna. Is that a cool story? It, <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah. And, and the best thing is to have your passion, even in 13, which is what I did. I started out as a programmer way back in the day, and this is where I, I led. And it's awesome to be and do exactly what you love. Yeah, he's, he's dying to do it. All about cybersecurity. My daughter, Law, she's in, going to law in, uh, in Europe. He wants to do this. And, and I guess, you know, he's nervous, my son. Because we talk all the time about China and we talk about Russia. That's what we do on this show. And there's not going to be a war militarily between the U.S. and China. But you know this better than anybody. They've hacked our this. They've hacked our that. The Russians have done the same. So forgetting about businesses first in New York City, which we'll get to, the reality of an international war through cyber attacks is something that is very, very real. Yes? Oh, 100%. You have to lock down devices because they, uh, we are constantly being bombarded on an on a minute by minute basis from Russia, from overseas, all the time. We use a technology called geoblocking, so that if your source material, if you're if you're a hacker overseas, you can't come in and attack because of where you're physically located. Well, how does that make sense? And how could they possibly hack airlines, newspapers? I mean, we saw uh, one day a couple of years ago they were shutting the lights in certain cities. How is it that these other people aren't equipped with that type of protective uh, hardware? Because we've, we're growing, we're growing the interconnected network. Okay. And so now you got more devices connected, and people don't look, step back, and say, "What's the value? Where are the holes?" And so uh, you put out a new device, and boom, you've now created an access place where people can come in and attack. And you've, at once in a while, you've got to stop and say, where's the scope and depth? You can't have data exchange where you're able to send and receive data yeah. and not create a problem. Then that's the issue. We're still living with the model from the 70s and 80s right. where, hey, everybody's a good guy. And if I share mm. the wrong data, oh, it'll be okay. They'll delete uh, it. That, that's not the case. No. So, so even though we're making improvements... You know, the, the, the China can shut our lights any day of the week. They can, they can steal my money out of my bank account. They can, any one of these places. I don't want to cause panic. No, you got to be honest. Where I'm honest yeah. is that security, we are not paying attention to security the way we need to. We are not paying attention to the proliferation of data. Every time you see a hack, boom, you see 10,000 records get sent out, or now you're on a, on a public list. There's 10,000 entry points now that somebody can come back and spoof your ID. Wow. Now, is this, when you say we're not paying attention, and I don't want to talk politics here, but I have to bring it up. Is that exclusive, Richard, to this administration? Was Trump's administration guilty of the same thing? Is there a difference between the way Republicans and Democrats treat this possibility, or is it basically an American problem? We tend to... Every time you've got technology, people's eyes glaze over because they think they can't understand it. And that deficiency. That's me. 
that deficiency is is hum, is human and it's universal. Yeah, it's it is scary. Like I, I get scared to death. I like I, I am so bad at all this stuff. I really am. Like my phone, like everybody else's phone. There's this like light that comes on. It's like a spotlight, and I have to have my son shut it off. I can't figure out how to shut it off. And by the way, there's a there's like an icon right there at the bottom of the phone. To, 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 I can't shut it off. I mean, right. and, and and it actually scares me. I get intimidated. Now you, like you said to me, you know, when this mic goes on, what happens? You've been doing this for a long time. I don't get scared. I don't get intimidated. Right. Uh, for you, this is the same thing with this business. You are so good at this. You've been doing this for so long that you don't get intimidated ever, never, never. No, Nothing pops I, up I, where you go, in, in I fa- can't figure this out? No, because, because there are certain laws in how data, data's like water. It looks like a garden hose. You've got a leaky garden hose, that's data. Yeah. So as long as you understand that, you look at the music of where data flows, and that's what you look to uh, find and resolve and understand how the business is working and just listen to the complaints of, of the day-to-day workers and then understand, oh, that's how they're using data. Okay, now you know, okay, this is where they could be exposed. Here's where they're not going to be exposed. Richard Luna, 25 years, and he is the CEO and founder of Protected Harbor, which I do promote every day, a great, great, great cybersecurity company. And according to you and other studies that I've seen, to be honest, there's a New York company getting attacked, cyber attacked every day. That's how often this happens, right? All the time. All the time. And... If you are attacked, six months, your business is dead. Dead? Dead. You're kidding. Nope. Well, give me the reason why. Are they, they, what do because they do? They, because CEOs don't understand the importance of their data. They don't understand that people are trying to attack them, not because they have anything against that company, because their data is valuable. So what can CEOs do then, besides, I don't know, calling Protected Harbor, obviously? The, what can they do to, to stop some of this? If I had a bar of gold and I put it on your desk, right. I'd have armed guards here. If I bring you, especially in front of me, <laughs> if I bring you social security numbers of my clients, boom, there's nobody here. Interesting. That so, is true. So think how important that data is and think what, what you need to do to make sure that that data is safe. So it's fair to say that cybersecurity is going to be a continuing problem, that until we really have more people like you, Richard, that are that know what to do and aware of it, it will continue to be a major problem here in this country, yes? Until we understand how to design away ransomware attacks, which is what we do for our clients, yeah. we, don't, we don't put in an app or just hit a button and say, oh, it's wonderful. We look at how they're working and we re-architect that client so that they're bulletproof, not just from ransomware attacks, not just from cy- cyber attacks, but from power outages, from gr- phenomenal growth, all points of failure, that's the model. Is there, if somebody wasn't about to call you yet and they just wanted to fix it themselves, uh, is there a, a software they can download? Is there something they can do without uh, calling Protected Harbor? I mean, eventually they're going to have to call you. I they know can that, run but... isolated backups, meaning a backup that's not connected and left live. Yeah. That's the single best way that a business owner can protect his business or her business. It's to make sure that their backups, when they're done, are removed. Whether that's a big company and it's a server or a group of servers, or whether that's a small business and it's physically a removable drive. Because if there's an attack, that attack will find those backups and it'll corrupt them. But if they're disconnected, then no, they won't. They'll they'll be 
uh, safe. I got to assume, Rich, that the, first of all, you're a super guy, and, and uh, you look nice. You're all dressed in black. You got a nice chain. You got a nice tan. So the, this, um, this misconception of oh, this guy must be a real geek or he doesn't sit by computers all day is not really true in Rich's case. But I got to think that your business is one of the more growing businesses in America today, that, that and this is a real problem uh, for local businesses, for national security, and people like you at this point become very, very handy. I'm, I'm grateful. And I love what I do. You do. So I, I love seeing and being able to solve problems that nobody else yeah. solves. Did you did you start like I did on the Commodore 64 and playing Atari uh, uh, XL? Atari 800. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got all excited when, like, the, they had the, uh, there was another company that made uh, new games, like Kaboom Activision. Remember when oh, the yeah. Activision cartridges yeah, yeah, came yeah, out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember how excited you were? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah no, my, my first was an Atari 800. Me I too. I love that machine. Me too. Yeah. I loved and, and actually, before that, I had that little football game. It was like a little white uh, thing, and, and there were little red dots, uh, little re- and they just I ran re- into each other. Yeah. And yeah. Mattel made it. Mattel yeah, and Tele- yeah, I remember. Yeah, and yeah. then Mattel made Mattel in television. Then you had ColecoVision. Okay, so I was a little bit nerdier. I had TI-59, oh a little God. programmable cal- cal- calculator. A little nerdier? <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll tell you how I got my bug of technology. I wrote a game called Lunar Lander, and I sent it to TI, and way back, and they published it. And after wow. that, after that, yeah, you, if you crashed on the moon, you, it would blink. And I, I figured out what, uh, how to, you'd, you'd type in 25 and it would be 25 pounds of thrust and it would adjust. And then when, if you hit at more than 100 miles per hour, it would blink the display. That's great. I sent that and they published it. You would, that was it. That was it. Yeah. I was Luna uh, Lander. Your last name is Luna, not Luna, <laughs> but Luna Lander. My brother in law, Albert, is driving to Florida right now from Georgia. He owns an electronics store in Brooklyn all those years. Oh, my God. And I worked for him. Yeah. So, all these uh, things that came out, I was there selling them at the time. So, he's probably appreciating this conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, on the way out, for folks that uh, want to use your service, because yeah. clearly, again, uh, one a day in New York gets attacked. And as Richard just pointed out, in six months, that business is dead. This is no joke. This is serious stuff. How can people contact Protected Harbor today and make sure this the data is, is protected? Uh, visit us at protectedharbor.com, 833-CYBER-11. That's it? Yeah. Nice and simple. Protectedharbor.com, 833-CYBER-11. It's great to meet you, and uh, no pressure, but you do realize in a couple of years that you have to give my son Gabriel a job. So Absolutely. That's the payback for this. Uh, if he's got passion, <laughs> we want him. He's really good, too. I mean, I'm... I'm- yeah, you know who's our, our our network engineer? Your son, my son. Is that true? Totally. Oh, that's cool. Good for you. He sat on my lap and and started to learn how to log in. Oh, that's great. At six and that's great. Yeah. How old your son now? Twenty four. God bless him. Well, yeah. God bless the whole Luna family, and thank, thank you, you for this exceptional work, and thank you for uh, being on my show. I appreciate and that. Thank you for this opportunity. You got it. Richard Luna, right there, the CEO of Protected Harbor. Check him out once again. ProtectedHarbor.com. dot com. And 833-CYBER-11, protect your data today with my friend Richard and the fine folks at Protected Harbor. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
<laughs> I used to love this song. Folks, joint 77 WABC and Ramsey Majda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation. This comes up two weeks from this Friday, Friday, October the 28th. The proud and courageous men and women in blue. I hope Lou Spagnola is listening. A man, Lewis. We'll have special guests and commentary. 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda back the blue. And it comes up on Friday, October the 28th. We spoke to a great cop earlier today on this show, Bo Deedle. Bo's such a good guy. I've seen Bo cry more. And he's the toughest guy I know. You ever grab Bo Deedle's dot, dot, dot? <laughs> can't wait to hear. Bicep? Yeah. It is the most, it's, it's honestly, and I'm in pretty good, pretty good shape. I know guys are much better, much better shape than me. I've never in my life felt a bicep like Bo Deedle. It's stone. And he's like 70 years old. Yeah, he's a little up there, and it's still like he's in it's a rock shape. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He's not a weightlifter like I am, but he does a lot of body weight stuff, you know, push-ups and pull-ups. And I don't know. I just never felt an arm that, that uh Hard in my life. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Arm, I did say. Calm down. I'm not calm. So he's a... He um, also... But he's been crying a lot lately because Bernie died and he's got a huge heart. And still one of the greatest smelling human beings. Smells nice. He smells... You can feel his uh, powerful arm and he smells... Getting gayer by the second. Gayer by the second. I always walk away thinking, I'm never going to smell that good. That's what I always think. He smells... I don't know. Don't you feel that when you... Walk away now. All right. I don't know. I just feel like you're going to have monkey box in a couple of days. Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It might smell good. I don't know. He also dresses like a million bucks. He dresses beautifully, too, Bo Deedle. Anyway, he's been very sad over this thing, as we all have been. And this is a perfect opportunity, then, to uh, remind folks that a week from tomorrow, eight days, October the 26th, is actually Bernard's birthday. And we're going to have a special mass this was a genius idea by John Katsimatidis, and I'm sure Margo and Chad were part of it, too. But uh, we're going to have a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral a week from tomorrow, from 10 a.m. to noon, on Bernie's birthday. And that'll really be the goodbye. That'll be it. And I think the same day they're going to name the studio. We keep saying we name the studio, but you can't we name the studio because there's no name. So we're going to name the studio, I believe, the Bernie and Sid Studio. So it's going to be a really big tribute uh, to Bernard next Wednesday. And then um, and that's it, you know. So, I mean, you know, you, you never move on from this. I'll never move on, ever. Uh, neither will you. You've worked with Bernie and known Bernie longer than I have. And I'll always remember our times together on IMIS and uh, having the opportunity to come back to New York to work with Bernard. And that was the only way I was going to get back to New York with Bernie. And um, I'll never forget any of that and all of our great times and great radio shows and climbing to number one. But there is going to come a time on this show where we're going to have to kind of move forward, you know. And um, that time may be coming sooner than some of you folks like, and that's fine. I get it. But that is reality of life. You know, you, you lose people. But if you know me, I mean, I still talk about my dad all the time. And he's gone almost two and a half years. And... I bring them up at least once a week. And if, in fact, we do name these studios what John is planning to do, then every morning I can say to you, coming to you live from the Bernie and Sid studios, so I can say Bernard's name every day the rest of my career. 
assuming I'm going to be here, and I don't plan on going anywhere else. But you'll notice some subtle changes and some things maybe you already have where um, you got to move on. It sucks. Well, things will gradually change. Right. A bit. They have I mean, already. I mean, they don't, it's but just what it's happens. Just, that's how it works, yeah. Yes. And, you know, yeah. of course, we're not going to forget him. That's never, that doesn't right. happen. And no, please. I mean, I'm, still ta- I'm still talking about Imus every day. Almost every day I talk about Imus, and he's dead longer than Bernard. So, so you know. Some say when he was alive, actually. Well, for the last couple of years, for sure. <laughs> but, um, no, we'll never forget no. Bernie. Bernie's, um, and above and beyond, again, I say this all the time, he was a great radio guy. There's no question about it, but uh, I will miss Bernie the person more, you know, and, and um, never to minimize what he meant to this show and or this station, but the show still does great. It just does. That's a statistical fact. That's not up for debate. You guys can, you know, say whatever you want in the chat room. It doesn't matter. There's a fact. There's, there are numbers to support what I just said, um, but the person, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to miss him. Anyway, we'll come back and wrap things up uh, right after this. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, YouTube. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Come on. Come on. Come on. I got to get to this uh, Paul King, Gregory Meeks story tomorrow. Meeks is um, not going to debate because he's a coward. I'll get to that tomorrow. Peter King is going to stop by, too. I really want to thank John Katsimatidis for what he's doing next Wednesday for Bernard having this. It was his idea, and he's making it happen. So thank you, John. Thank you, Margo. Thank you, Chad, everybody else, for this uh, big day St. Patrick's next Wednesday on Bernard's birthday. We had another great show. I'm cold. Is it cold in here? Phil, why'd you make it so cold in here today? Because every day I come in there, you scream about how it's so hot in there. So I, I do, do that. You're right. I, was, I make it cold, and now it's too cold. Maybe I'm, going through like, with you. maybe I'm like going through changes or something. I don't know. Or, I don't know. I don't I mean, want to see you go through any type of changes. Not enough. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I'm cold. Exactly I'm hot. I'm, I don't mean physically, you doofus. I mean like I'm, I'm going through something here. You have here. one minute left in the show. I think you'll endure the cold. Okay. Well, you're wearing a sweatshirt, tough guy. I also have a different thermostat in here. I made it warm in here. It's yeah. Nice well, thanks for that. Yeah, well, you were great today, by the way. Thank you. I don't know what you did, but you were great. <laughs> you were great too. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Great. I don't know what he did. That was great, but he. It's I just great. like him. I don't know. He's cute or something. I, I, it doesn't matter. I like him. That's the end of it. It. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Winning. He has a good catalytic yeah. converter. Frankie that's D. Has you look good with the with the with the ski hat on today? You look very nice. Yeah. I know it's cold in here, and uh, <laughs> Noam was great today. He didn't do anything either, but I love him. And Jacqueline Crawl is always great because she's cute and. Justin Ellick is uh, really overrated. And uh, Lou, you're great. God. You could tell him that at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, today. I love Justin. I'm only kidding. He's the best. Rob Bartlett, who I got, Justin Ellick. Anyway, we're done for today. We hope you enjoyed today's program. We had great guests. Great guests again tomorrow. Good luck to the Yankees in the Bronx later on today. Joe Nolan, you were great, too. We'll all be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for a Wednesday edition. Until then, folks, from all of us to all of you, good night, Bernard.
If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabulaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabu Law, where winning is no accident.